details of my life are quite inconsequential. Read my lips. If you have sex, your penis will fall off and land in another dimension populated entirely by dogs who will eat it. Well, that's something I'd like to avoid. I want you to listen to me. I'm going to say this again. I did not have sexual relations with that woman, Miss Lewinsky. I'm a paladin with 18 charisma and 97 hit points. I can use my helm of disintegration and do 1d4 damage as my half-elf mage wields his plus five holy avenger. And as president, I'm going to make it impossible for congressmen or lobbyists to slip pork barrel projects or corporate welfare into laws when no one's looking. Because when I'm president, meetings where laws are written will be more open to the public, no more secrecy. That's a commitment I make to you as president. The Michael Graff Show. It is my opinion he is a danger to himself and others and is in need of treatment. Finally, a guy in broadcasting that represents the very average side of us all. The following broadcast is in the hands of a college-educated, barely-employed guy that does a podcast for an audience of fewer people than Paris Hilton has brain cells. It's hard to imagine that he's perpetually single. Now, from the middle of desert Urbania, this is Michael Groth in Exile. Yeah, take two. Welcome in. It is another edition of Michael Graff in Exile on a Friday. Ah, June 18th, 2010. And just so you people know, summer solstice starts on Sunday. And I believe it's 4.48 a.m. Because as we all know, you, you need a calendar so you know exactly when summer starts. That's it's pretty universal. Contact information for the program, Mike at KMGX.com. That is our email address. It is Mike at KMGX.com. Always open to your comments, questions, suggestions, anything you want to drop in. Of course, that's also our PayPal address. You know, Mike at KMGX.com. You can make your donations over there. We certainly uh, can use them, certainly do appreciate them. And, um, yeah, please, by all means. Oh, oh, God. Don't, don't bother giving to, uh, don't bother giving to the government for relief efforts in the Gulf or anything because, quite frankly, they'll just misappropriate the money. Uh, you think we're, we're probably going to be talking about that tonight. It's so odd. Uh, apparently, no one has stepped forward as the voice of reason, so I guess, as usual, my shoulders are broad enough. I will take on the weight and be the voice of common sense and the voice of reason and moderation once again through the sea of anarchy that's out there. That's why you're here. That's why you tune in. Michael Groff Show, AOL Instant Messenger. That is the screen name, M-I-C-H-A-E-L-G-R-O-F-F Show, AOL Instant Messenger. Also, michaelgroff.com for all of your relevant... And even some irrelevant things, Michael Groff related, sort of. It's a great site. Or, you know, it has the potential to be one of these days. I mean, it's a cool name, michaelgroff.com. I like it. All right. 
So joining me as is one to do on a Friday because everybody else asked for money. I tried to get hot chicks. I've again I have to I have to mention this. People do mention this. People ask me on email and everything else. If I'm serious about seeking co-hosts here for the program or somebody to actually host the best of editions of the Michael Graff Show, and the answer is yes, I am serious about that. So uh, if you'd like, that's certainly a possibility. Um, you can be just like, well, just like James, who's who's joining me right now. Hello there. And you can't hear yourself this time. That's that's always good. If, if I set up the board correctly, that's... Yeah, get out of my head, Charles. I mean, makes for a better show when I actually do my job. It, uh, it makes it a lot better when I'm technically savvy enough to you know know what I'm doing. To be fair, Mike, I probably couldn't do it better myself. Well, <laughs> I, I know how to put things in a recycling bin. That's well, that's good. I... But running a uh, a high class, a, a very professional radio console is is a little bit more difficult. Is what you're trying to tell me? Uh, I guess so. Uh, unless there's Coke Zero involved, that'll that'll motivate me. Well, there could be. Um, I'm actually running rather low right now. I'm, it's going to be another trip, I think. All right. Well, again, a lot of stuff to get into. What's been going on with you? Anything exciting? You're in you're in your summer vacation, so I would imagine you're just all over the place and just uh, the yeah. the the fun never. It's a roller coaster, I'm guessing. I mean, gosh darn it, Mike! What do you expect? And in the lovely town of, well, I probably shouldn't say it due to pedophiles and stalkers that could be listening. Because, you know, everybody loves Michael. Talking right. about me, of course. Right. All right. Well. Anyway. So, yeah. so okay. So, uh, I, I guess the answer to my question then is uh, it's, it's just a never-ending, thrill-seeking bit of excitement for you over there. Mike, it's just one acid trip after another. Okay. Well, then, you're not too far off from a lot of people in Congress, I guess. All right. Well, I guess we're up to that part of the show, folks. There's, listen, as you know, there's a lot going on. And if you, this, there's so much, I don't know how we're going to fit it into this show. Obviously, we're probably not. Maybe we'll have a special Saturday podcast. I've threatened that before. We've done it before. It has happened. Where uh, I've just, I've randomly come in here on a Saturday. Yeah, he was pissed drunk. Well. He had no idea what he was doing. <laughs> that's true. I mean, look, that actually, that has happened. I actually have done a drunk show as well. That was, <laughs> that was uh, Radio Gold. Boy, there's nothing better than a guy getting behind the microphone after he's had a few. So, you know what? I, I love every single one of you guys. Uh where I, you know what? Maybe, maybe we'll dig up the. There, I actually made a promo out of it. This was years. It's, it's very, very old, and it's going to sound very strange. But we should pull up the promo. I should pull up this old promo from uh, a, that has a clip from that drunk show where I spilled beer all over myself and the console and everything. <laughs> well, that's good. Yeah, that that. I got to tell you, that went pretty badly. All right, but anyway, so with all this stuff going on, still we have to break down some of the biggest stories of the day. As you know, folks, there's, man, there's so much news that goes on every day and you can't really trust what they tell you everywhere else. God, I mean, CNN, Fox News, MSNBC, who knows who's right, who's wrong. They have their own definitions of news, but all that matters is what I think it's important. People are 
idiots. Everyone has their own definition of what's news. I don't even know what I just said. The actually. feeling most people get when they hear a Barack Obama speech. Mike, I felt this thrill going up my leg. I, mean, I don't have that too often. I guess some people shouldn't be gatekeepers of the news. <laughs> but lucky for you, the decisions are now in the capable hands of this guy. Wow! It's time now for Michael Graff's seven most salient, salacious, and stimulating storylines of the day. Yeah, I think what I meant to say is what I think is important. I, I, you know what? I don't even know what I'm talking about anymore. <laughs> Number seven. All right. The NBA uh, Finals Mike, last I'm night. I'm going to have to ask you to step out of the vehicle, please. Yeah. <laughs> I've, had a, I've had a few too many. Gatorades, that is. But they're spiked. All right. NBA Finals last night. Lakers, Celtics, of course. The Lakers, they win their 16th NBA title. They beat the Celtics 83-79. Uh, a game where the Celtics had a 13-point lead in the third quarter. They choked it away. As I've always said, it's hard to win an NBA title with your hands firmly wrapped around your throat. Uh, Kobe Bryant, not a very good game. 6 of 24 from the field, but it didn't really matter because Ron Artest, of all people, stepped up when it counted. And, uh, well, there was also Paul Gasol. And so the Lakers, uh, they come through and unfortunately fulfill my prediction and win the NBA title. And, of course, people are asking the questions now. Is Kobe the greatest Laker ever? Well, I don't know. He does have five championship rings after the game. He said, oh, I got one more than Shaq. Great. You know, wonderful. I know it was a joke, but... And everybody thinks it's a great story. Ron Artest and his post-game comments. We all... Does anybody remember that Kobe Bryant is still a punk? Have we forgotten that? Or is it, oh, well, he won a championship, so it's okay now. Have we forgotten that Ron Artest is a punk and went into the crowd in Detroit when he was with a member of the Pacers? Do we remember that? Yeah, oh, oh, I guess we're just going to forget that part. Oh, because he he, he cracked a couple Even of jokes. Even if you're pretty up an asshole, it's still an asshole, right? Yeah, I guess because he cracked a couple of jokes in uh, the post-game press conference, I guess all of a sudden he is now, he's he's clear. You can't say, don't say anything, but don't bring up the past, man. He's still a punk. I don't care. And I hate the Lakers. It's the bottom line. But the ratings are in. The numbers are big. So they did well. Uh, in, matter of fact, in L.A., the ratings out 39 points. It got a 39.7 rating. That, it's just an insane rating. Actually, better rating than it did in Boston. Boston got a 33, I think a 33.7. Regardless. And now it's it's all L.A. Boston because I guess the Dodgers are in town. Manny has returned to Fenway and they're taking on the uh, Red Sox. Right now, Red Sox, are, Red Sox are kicking the crap out of the Dodgers. So a little, a little bit of revenge. Not a, even near on the same scale, but a little bit. Number six. I am reluctantly talking about this only because a lot of people are talking about it, and that is the World Cup. And no, I don't care about who won or who lost, really, aside from the fact that, once again, just pointing out the stupidity and futility of soccer and soccer fans. The U.S. played another game today and played to a 2-2 tie. Wait a sec. Four goals were scored in a soccer game? Are you kidding? Really? Mike. They scored Mike. four goals in a soccer game? 
Well, actually, at the end of the game, there was this huge cop out. Of well, the right, goal. I understand. There was there was a controversy. There was a goal that was a goal, but it really wasn't a goal, and that's what's got the U.S. all pissed off. And but but then earlier today, I heard I actually heard people on the radio go, "Well, this was a, a big victory for the U.S." And I go, "Well, no, it was a tie, you idiot. A tie is not a win." See, this is the problem. Goddamn tie. It, Listen, it's a socialist. Thing. Let, let me understand. Let me let me let me. This is why soccer sucks. You know, I'm going to save it. I just, but let me just, I'll just preface or I'll just, uh, I'll give you a preview of why soccer sucks. If a game ends in a tie, I ain't got an interest. Okay. Baseball doesn't end in a tie. Well, except for the 2002 All-Star game. Thanks a lot, Bud Selig. But, you know, generally speaking, baseball doesn't end in a tie. Football in the playoffs or the Super Bowl doesn't end in a tie. Regular season, sure. Even that's stupid. Hockey, no. Basketball, no. Yeah, what do you do about the bets that were put on the game? Do you just give them a refund? Well, well, yes. I did. Well, it depends on on what action you took. But you know, if you, yes, uh, that would be a push. So. Okay. That's a little wagering 101 for you. And I think it's important that at about 15 years old, you you do learn that. Number five. <laughs> More on soccer uh, later on. But the new world order. It's a term that we hear kicked around a lot. Mostly before it was by people wearing tinfoil hats. I don't think it's such a tinfoil hat scenario anymore. I don't think that the new world order is uh, for people that wear tinfoil hats anymore. I Normally think, it's the butt of a joke on this show. Well, that's the thing is that uh, everybody brings up the New World Order and uh, we're, we're all being marched into the New World Order by so-and-so, by uh, China, by everybody. It's being orchestrated. It's orchestrated by Clinton and Bush and everybody else. Look, uh, just so you know, I've always sort of scoffed at it, but, you know, the more and more I'm reading guys actually using the words New World Order, anything from President Barack Obama himself, now you've got this Medvedev, this, uh, the Russian president, this guy's using the words New World Order, and he's talking about a New World Economic Order. Anytime I hear that, I start to get kind of a shiver down my spine, and it's still going on right now. It's not a thrill going up my leg. It's a shiver going. It's like somebody dropped ice down my back because it kind of, all those people that wear the tinfoil hats, it kind of justifies their feelings. It's a little scary. bit. It what is. is it? it is scary. And we're going to talk about it. What does he mean? I don't know how practical a new world order ever really is. And again, I'll break that down for you too, but we will talk about it. Number four. All right. Um, the federal government, Hillary Clinton let it out of the bag on Ecuadorian TV yesterday. Yes, she was down in Ecuador. And she let it out of the bag that the federal government plans to sue the state of Arizona over SB 1070, over our what's soon to be law, our uh, so-called controversial immigration law, where we just do what the federal government won't do. So... Let me get this straight. The federal government who refuses to do anything about the illegal immigration problem is suing the state that's actually going to do something about the illegal immigration problem. The feds aren't actually going to do anything about the immigration problem, but they'll sue the state that is doing something about it. That's a great idea. 
And what a great use of taxpayer dollars in a time where you've got Alan Greenspan running around saying uh, the U.S. has basically reached its limit of how much we can borrow. We've reached the limit. There's, there's just no more money to borrow. It just doesn't exist. We'll great. make it exist. Yeah, let's trust we'll, me, Mike. That's the way. That's the way it works in the world now. We'll just make the goddamn. Let's money let's just print more. Number three. three. The Obama approval numbers are out. Once again, he hits a new low down to 41%. We have uh, the Gallup data, which shows the people that strongly disapprove of the president's job versus strongly approve. Uh, that We have that out. We'll get you that, those numbers, in just a couple of moments. So uh, we'll talk about that. But the real big news that's going on uh, is the top two stories. And Number two. Two. Uh, you've got uh, 17. There are 17 Afghans on the loose in the United States. 17 uh, Afghanistan nationals that are on the loose in the United States. Well, actually, not 17 anymore. Seven of them have been accounted for. So now we have 10 that are roaming about. And you might say, well, okay, who cares? But here's the problem they have military uniforms. Because they were trained. They were being trained to speak English and to fly planes at, um, where was this? This, I guess, where was this? This was in Texas. And I forget the name of the Air Force, but I'll, I'll have it here in just a second. Was it Lack, Lackerly or something like that? Lackerly Air Force Base in Texas. And um, so they were being trained there. And you have to understand that this is big because they have security clearances to all sorts of military installations, and still 10 of these guys are unaccounted for. It, 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 don't worry about it, Mike. It, it can't possibly end badly. I mean, military training Afghans with clearance to almost everything and anything. Well, the worst part of this is these guys have been on the loose for a while. We're just finding out about it now because there are hearings that are started. There are... We have we have Congress uh, folks that are out there grilling people, saying, "How did you lose these people? How did when they went AWOL? Why wouldn't why weren't we notified immediately? How were you so incompetent?" I mean, the only incompetence that's worse is, of course, number one. Number one. BP. Oh my goodness, we had. Shocker. We, we haven't even addressed any of this stuff. We have the president's speech from uh, Tuesday night that we haven't even talked about. We have, well, well, obviously, listen, we have a lot when it comes to the BP stuff. We have a lot of stuff. And I have to step in and I'm appointing myself the voice of reason on all of it. And that's some of the stuff that's on my radar. Who needs billion dollar cable news when you've got Michael Graff? Yeah, I am the voice of reason. Because he's the only sane person in the U.S. besides me and probably about five of the viewers. Listen, here's I have to I have to tell you why it's time for me to appoint myself the voice of reason. This all stems from the last um, the last several weeks of the rhetoric that's being thrown around by people on the left and people on the right. And people that are just using the BP spill and the disaster to further their rhetoric, to further their political ideologies, and to just put forth a bunch of nonsense on the American people and to justify or, or denigrate other administrations, other folks. 
this is really not doing anybody any good. Now, the president's speech, we're obviously going to talk about that, but I want to I go all the way back and I want to I wanna sort of lay out the context for why I, I have to become the voice of reason here. And the context is very simple. BP, uh, well, okay. First of all, you have guys on the right like Rush Limbaugh and Sean Hannity that as far as they're concerned, BP hasn't really done anything wrong. Ah, you know, they made a little mistake, but, you know, look, they're just a good-natured corporation and they're they're here and they're creating jobs and, and they fulfill a function and the, they're, this, the oil company, they're gonna, they've already agreed to help and they've set aside money and, and it's not like you can do anything to them anyway because there's a liability limit cap of $75 million. And, you know, I don't think, I, I think really the, the blame here all falls on the president and it's Barack Obama's fault and our lack of response and that's really the talking point. So on one side, it's like BP gets almost none of the blame and it all falls squarely on the president. Then, for the most part, on the so-called progressive side, or as I call them, the regressives, you've got then you've got people that are on the other side that just scream. Uh, and I actually heard this. This is, is the worst thing since Hitler. I I have heard I have heard, and this is verbatim. Um, a a guy on the radio on one of these regressive talk show hosts that actually got on the air and he said. Well, what I would do is, with all these oil executives from BP in the country now, I would take them all and I would have the military escort them to jail and I would throw them away and I would, I would prosecute them for crimes against humanity, crimes against the United States, crimes against the world, and I would, if I could, put some of them to death. Wow, really? You'd put some of these guys to death? Okay, well... That's <laughs> well, um, that's that's some rational stuff. Yeah, I think I'll just be hitting the old dusty trail. Yeah. Uh, Look, there's, uh, there's a mental institute down the street. Right? Yeah. Uh, it's about time for the lady in the lab coat to come to your door. It's enough already. It's ridiculous. It's insanity. So, unfortunately, um, you've got the folks that, and they're just, they're spewing out a bunch of misinformation as well to justify this. And they're talking about how it's nothing but evil uh, corporatocracy that's running this country. And it's nothing but uh, big monopolies. And, and then on the other side, it's like, oh, you know, look, this is why we need the government to get out of the way because they haven't really done anything to respond to this. People, folks, back the trucks up just a little bit. It's time to put the facts in here, and it's time to get All some real perspective. It's time to get some perspective. All right. Here's the truth. All right. This is, you're not going to get this in very many places. You're going to have to actually do a little bit of digging, and you don't have to take my word for it. Look it up for yourself. But here's here, here are the real facts. All right. And, and I got to tell you right now, I'm not comfortable with anybody in this situation. I'm not comfortable with BP, and I am, I am absolutely not going to sit here and defend BP or Transocean. All right, I'm not going to sit, and I'm, I'm not going to sit here and defend Barack Obama, the Obama administration, the federal government of the United States, or anybody of the sort. And I have my reasons for both, and I'll outline those. See, I don't trust anybody. I don't trust an irresponsible, negligent corporation 
in much the same, I don't uh, trust an irresponsible, negligent government. Um, the facts are BP had many safety issues in these hearings this week that are going on. And we'll talk about the hearings and, and how legit yeah, they, they are. They and, had like 700 safety violations, didn't they? Well, okay. So here's the thing. So in the hearings this week with BP, uh, you had, uh, they were, they got a bunch of the heads of various oil companies up to ask about various safety protocols. And then they, they grilled, uh, Tony Hayward yesterday and they mentioned the and I, I and you'll forgive me I don't have this right in front of me it's 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 in the pile of stuff here somewhere but um, my stack of stuff so uh, but I believe this is the last five years they cited the number of safety violations for each of the various oil companies and I believe Exxon had one Citgo had two uh, ConocoPhillips had three, you know, um, whatever. BP had 760 safety violations. So the, wow. clearly there was a track record of safety violations that existed there. Clearly there was a history of negligence. And there are many reports and many leaked emails that are coming out right now that illustrate this point greatly. And that show that BP was cutting corners and not using enough stabilizers and not using enough, uh, they, they were not using the uh, enough equipment, the proper equipment and the proper mixtures and, and everything of the sort in their, uh, in their offshore oil rigs, particularly the Deepwater Horizon, which one of the uh, BP uh, folks dubbed the nightmare rig. So clearly, if you're not engaged, if you are not adhering to the safety standards that even Halliburton uses, and we all know that Halliburton has been accused of many things, but Halliburton said that BP was using a fourth of the basic standards, the basic safety standards that they should have been using. And, wow. and that's Halliburton saying that. What? That's a C average for, for 50 standards? I mean, it's... No, no, no. No, not using three-fourths, using one-fourth. Wow. They were using one-fourth, so 25% of, of the... In this particular Deepwater Horizon. So the point is, is that they were clearly negligent. Now, does it go all they the way up? Does it go all crap. the way up... To Tony Hayward, well, I don't know if it goes all the way up to him. He he claims he didn't know anything about it. You know, maybe he didn't. I don't think when they construct the Deepwater Horizon, they go to Tony Hayward and they say, "All right, uh, all right, how much of this should we use here?" He doesn't oversee that. There are people below him that are in charge of those basic safety standards. Okay, the CEO of the company doesn't handle that. But at the same time, he is still responsible. Even if you don't know about it, you're the CEO. Remember, he, he, the buck stops here. He's the big kahuna. He, so I mean, He's the main guy. He, some blame does fall on him one way or another. So we all know, we all know that BP was not adhering to the basic safety criteria. On the other hand, the federal government, we know that um, they didn't respond on time. 
We know that this this crap about they were there from day one. We all know that that it's not true. It's it's simply not true. We know that other countries offered to help us and we rejected the help. Now we're saying, oh yeah, now we're now we're extending our hands out and say, oh yeah, yeah, okay, you can come help us now. Yeah, we know uh, that the government help. tried to conceal how bad this is as well because they had a no-fly zone over the area, and there's been some debate whether or not BP. Uh, asked the FAA to issue a no-fly zone or whether or not the FAA just broadly put out a no-fly zone over the Gulf or whatever the case is. But we know that there's a no-fly zone in place and that BP can't control whether there's a no-fly zone. Even though they've been running around thinking they control the Gulf Coast of the United States, they don't. Ultimately, that ultimately that is still up to the federal government. Ultimately, the airspace is still controlled by the FAA. So we know that the government did that. We also know that the government put dispersants on the surface of the water so that the oil sort of broke up on the surface so it didn't look as bad to the naked eye. Of course, the problem is, is you have 20 miles of oil that's just spewed out all over the place below and that it is eventually going to wash up. And so that we they they just kept on pouring gasoline on the goddamn fires, what they kept on doing. Well, so anyway, so that, yeah, this dispersant. So we had so they poured this dispersant out there and then Governor Jindal, Bobby Jindal of the state of Louisiana, asked if they could build some of these barrier islands. All right. They wanted to put up barrier islands and berms and, and boom and all this stuff out there. And uh, the White House didn't respond until May 22nd. Okay, it took the White House till May 22nd to respond. Then they said you can only do one. And the reason they said you can only do one is because we want a, we want a, uh, an environmental, uh, we want environmental specialists to go out there. We want the Army Corps of Engineers and everybody else to go out there and look to see how this is going to affect the, uh, the uh, environment in the surrounding area. Of course, the ironic part is, is in the, since they decided not to get back to the state of Louisiana on that issue, now the environment around the area is screwed because the oil is washing up all over the place. And now the White House comes back and the president the other night said, oh, yeah, we've we've given um, permission to the state of Louisiana to build more barrier islands. It's still not true. It's false. They're lying their ass so, off. So we have BP that's lying. We have BP that's saying, oh, look, we didn't know anything. You know, we, as far as we know, we've been operating in the safety standards. And uh, our investigation, we haven't really done it. We haven't concluded our own investigation. We don't really know. That's crap. They know that they weren't operating within uh, safety parameters, even reasonable safety parameters. We know that the federal government's been lying about how much they've been trying to help. We know that we've had, we have boom, we have all this stuff that's in warehouses and it's not being deployed and that we've refused help from other countries. Okay, that's, again, this is just fact, okay? I know that a lot of people want to ignore this or they want to say, well, you know, so-and-so is saying this and they want to try and obfuscate the issue. But I'm what I'm laying out for you right now are simply facts. And the facts are uh, the BP has been irresponsible and negligent and, and quite frankly, criminally negligent. And on the other hand, uh, the federal government has been equally so irresponsible and negligent. We have provisions in the law that allow for, for the takeover of these wells if they are operating in a completely unsafe fashion by the U.S. Coast Guard, by the government. Uh, that was never done. Um, so again, there's, there's a lot of provisions that, were, that should have been made that weren't. Okay, so I, I want to I want to that's why I'm not defending either side here. 
They're the middle ground here, people. Well, there is a middle ground, but the, the real point is, is that you can't just blame one or the other. You have to blame both. You have to. And unfortunately, um, then you have... See, I've seen Republicans that are grilling the the BP folks just as well as Democrats are. I mean, you had you had uh, I don't know who this was, this Republican from Alabama or Oklahoma or something. He was he was right there with Henry Waxman grilling the BP people yesterday. Okay, so you had Republicans and Democrats alike grilling these guys. All right, so but on the other side, you had you had this Republican uh, in Texas, Joe Barton, that was out there saying that this is well. I, I tell you what, man, these people were getting shook down. This is here. This here is a government shakedown of BP. He actually said that the government is shaking down BP. Well, now I want to be sure that I get this point across very carefully. I don't agree with the statement necessarily, but. We do have laws in this country. And the other night, the president just decided, you know what? We might have laws and due process, but I'm telling BP they got to pay. BP's got to pay, and they do have to pay. They screwed up. They were negligent, and they need to pay. But unfortunately, the president of the United States doesn't have the authority to make them pay. There is no law that gives the president such authority. Unfortunately, there's really no stipulation that gives anybody in the government such authority. That's all regulated. You, there are lawsuits. There's a legal procedure to do that. And I'm a person that believes in law and the Constitution above all else. Even though I, I, I am right here telling you, BP screwed up, but you have to go through the legal channels to get them to pay. Now, if they want to pay, if they want to set aside $20 billion, which won't even cover it, by the way. You want them to set aside $20 billion, great. You want them to, to, to have not only $20 billion, but then you want to be able to just go back to them whenever you want, and that's the government going back to them. And we have this guy that we've elected, this, uh, I don't remember the guy's name, oh, it was right in front of me. Anyway, the guy that Barack Obama's basically made the pay czar in all of this. He's another, another czar. We have another czar. We had the car czar, we had the bank czar, now we have the pay czar that's going to be in charge of doling out this money that, uh, that BP is setting aside, this $20 billion. Well, how do we know that the right people are going to get that money? There was so much fraud after the Katrina situation. That was handled by the government. That was screwed up. This is probably going to get screwed up. So I have concerns all the way around. I don't trust Barack Obama. Listen, this is a guy that received money from oil companies. Okay. And you can try and spin it and say, well, he didn't really receive that much money. He still received money. He took money from oil companies. Okay. Uh, so did Rahm Emanuel, his chief of staff. And as a matter of fact, his... This is great. So Barack Obama's chief of staff is not only did he take money from the oil companies, they're buying like an apartment for the guy or a house or something. It's, it's a lot of money that this guy has received from BP. That's the chief of staff. So I don't want to you hear shoot your own life raft, right? Yeah. I don't want to hear. Tom Hartman and Mike Malloy and these other, these really angry dudes that get on, like Mike Malloy is so angry. Some of these guys that get on the radio and they try and, and, and just, they point the finger. Uh, I, I actually, 
I want to give a little bit of credit to to a couple of the, at least to Tom Hartman. At least he's he actually called, and I I have to tell you, I about dropped a, a gold deuce in my pants when I heard him say this. I couldn't believe that he said this, but he actually called Barack Obama a corporatist. He actually said something negative about the president. I I honestly I couldn't believe it. Holy shit, Mike! You must have been living in a different reality that I, day. I I have to tell you something. It felt weird. I, I, I didn't even know what to make of it. Like these, the sycophants, even Keith Olbermann didn't really like Barack Obama's speech the other night. And Keith Olbermann routinely has to wipe the, uh, the, the batch off his face from, from, you know, so much Obama love. I mean, this is a guy that routinely has his lips surgically implanted on Obama's ass. Even he didn't necessarily like the speech because there was no call for action. The only action, the only specific action that Barack Obama gave in his speech the other night was telling people to pray. Pray. And, you know, George Bush, <laughs> George Bush got vilified every time he mentioned God or prayer or anything like that. But Barack Obama, a lot of people gave him a free pass on that. A lot of people. Not me. Look, I mean, and and here's and then I have to I have to interject the science into all of this as well. And I know, God forbid, we actually talk a little bit of science on this. Oh, the science of the world. Oh dear, the we have to talk about science. We have to move away from the prayer and talk about Pray, the science. Pray, pray to God. I that mean, the she, oil spill she blinded she blinded God with science. No, look. Um, Here's the, the, the real kicker to all of this, and I, and I, I want to make sure that we emphasize this. BP can't stop this leak, okay? They can't stop it. And I'm not saying they can't stop it because they're incompetent. I'm saying they can't stop it because they can't stop it. It's at a point right now where... It's technologically impossible to stop it, the oil spill right now. Basically. Basically, it is impossible. Now, I'm sure there's there's been a lot of ideas and a lot of ways... It's not just as simple as, and, and when the president says, I, there's nothing I can do to stop it, that's true. He can't. And, and just like Tony Hayward, he doesn't have, none of these people have any ideas. This is unlike anything we've experienced before. Okay, this is not, see, when it's on land, it's a lot easier, but it's a mile below the surface of the, of the Gulf of Mexico here. That's um, people, a lot of water pressure. People can't exist down there. It's not like we can just swim. See, shallow water, shallow water drilling, and the slant water and the slant drilling that we do in the shallow waters. That's if there's an accident, it's a lot easier to stop because you can just have dive teams go down there. You can have, uh, you can hell. I mean, most of that is very easy to fix, or at least relatively speaking. But down this deep and given the pressure that's coming out, do you know, I think, what did they say? It's about 100,000 PSI. It's coming out of there. 100,000 pounds per square inch. I mean, do you have any idea how much pressure that is that's just pushing that oil out of there? It is, it's blasting. You can't just throw a big old rock in front of it. Even if they were successful with their top kill method where they pour all this mud down there, you know, that really wouldn't have lasted long anyway. The pressure was so intense that it would have just blown that out. But here's the science of it, and this is why it's really bad, and that's, this is why nobody can stop it, because it is coming out with such a force. And the well itself is starting to erode. Not just the, the head, not just this, this blown out section, but the well itself is, is starting to erode. And the reason it's starting to erode is because, well, number one, 
there's salt water down there, which erodes anything. Number two, you have the explosion, which weakened the structural integrity of the entire well. Number three, you've got oil that's being that's blasting out of there. This is a chemical. You have, you know, gas that's pressure that's you know putting exerting a lot of pressure on the underside of this well, and and then um, you have just the oil itself, which is eroding things, and and the oil underneath the well, and not only the gas but the oil that's underneath the well is just pushing on it. So not literally, to mention it's like two thousand you know pounds per square inch well yeah there's a lot of water pressure and then the currents as well everything is is acting to erode this well so eventually this the entire well structure under there is going to fail and then it's katie bar the door when that happens but there's actually an even worse if you can imagine there's actually an even worse scenario than that that could possibly occur See, the real sort of doomsday, and this is not tinfoil hat crap, okay? This is actually scientifically possible. And again, this is, there's, there is speculation, obviously, because we don't know. We're, we're, we're not 100% but, sure because it's unlike anything we've ever experienced. But yes, but here's the real, the real dilemma. Not only is there oil coming out of there at an incredibly high pressure, but of course... Not everything escapes at the same velocity. Oil, which is a liquid, is coming out of there just an insane rate. There's some methane gas that's coming out of there as well. But the thing is, is gas is not able to escape as quickly as the oil. It's the gas that's actually helping to propel the oil out of there at such an insane speed. And a lot of this gas, again, it's methane, it's natural gas. It's, so, so since the gas is not escaping at the same speed as the oil, the gas has got to be going somewhere. And what's happening is, is it's exerting, it's, it's, it's escaping or it's trying to escape, but it's not able to get out. So it's, it's building up down below the seafloor. And this gas is starting to push on other parts of the seafloor. And we have oil that's actually starting to leak from other parts of the well and the surrounding area a little bit. But mostly what's escaping from there is gas or trying to escape. And it's creating fissures in the seafloor, small fissures. This isn't like open up and swallow the earth. This is, but what it's showing is, is it's showing there's a tremendous amount of pressure that's underneath. What you've basically done is you've opened up a, a, a hole. Understand that this is a isn't, can of worms. Well, this isn't like we just drilled right under the sea floor to get the oil. The pipe that, and, and what we, we went down about four miles down into the earth to get this oil. Okay, we went down tens of like 20,000, 25,000 feet down to get this so, oil. So you can imagine like the size of the oil well, you know, you can imagine four feet, four miles below. It's already one mile below. Then you got another four mile yeah. pipe. Right? So you've got, and, and of miles. course, yeah, and of course that, that pipe is, you know, decaying as well. But the thing is, is that, um, so all of that, there's, there's all that room under there where this gas is building up and it's just building and building. And eventually something's got to give. So either there's going to be just a major collapse down there where, but where the seafloor sort of collapses down, which would be bad because you'd have a, a lot of very displaced rock and the displacement would occur rapidly. So it would be sort of a, there, obviously there would be an, a great offset there. A great displacement of water, which would trigger that would be a tsunami, and that would affect the Gulf Coast, and that would be just 
Well, it'd be, that's the worst place to have a tsunami is in the Gulf because all of the land that's on the Gulf there, I mean, what? What is the highest uh, elevation in Florida? What is it, like 50 feet, 40 feet? Over, most, most of Florida is... Average. It, yeah, average most of Florida is, is, what, 40 feet above sea level. And the same goes for southern Louisiana, most of Southern Louisiana is at or even below sea level. A lot of New Orleans is below sea level. That was the problem with Hurricane Katrina in the first place. That's why they have the the levee system that they have, which are constantly pumping water. New Orleans is a bowl-shaped city that exists below sea level, and a lot of the a lot of uh, Louisiana is is right at or just barely above sea level. A tsunami would be terrible. Texas is sort of the same way. Texas geographically is a little bit better, but not much. But the worst, there's even a worse scenario, and that is that all the gas builds up and it builds up and, and then it just, it, it all comes out in an explosion. And if it comes out in an explosion, well, again, you'd have a tsunami. It would probably be worse than the aforementioned scenario. But a tsunami like that, okay, that would be bad enough, but then all that gas has just escaped. Well, that's a lot of hydrocarbons right there. That's, you know, that's your natural gas, that's your methane. Um, and if there still happens to be a lightning or thunderstorm, it's sort of like letting a match in a no, gas-filled room. Well, that's not really the problem because it would be out in the open atmosphere and the, the mix. See, natural, yeah. in order to explode, natural gas requires a, a mix requires yeah, a, certain, a ratio uh, requires a ratio of 4 to 14%. So uh, between 4 and 14%. So that's why natural gas in itself is actually fairly safe. Okay. But the problem is is what I'm driving at is that this would be a toxic cloud that would be released into the air. Uh, humans can't breathe hydrocarbons. We we don't do well breathing in methane and natural not gas. So and, much with the Methane and no, we, we don't uh, breathe that stuff in very well, so that would be uh, deadly to say the least. So, I thought I'd lay this out for you and let you know that this is a, a significant problem and there's no way to stop this. And I'm not trying to be gloom and doom, I'm not saying that it can never be stopped. As far as, as, far as I know, and as far as has, has been discussed so far, uh, we did mention the, the 21 year old that came up with a a pretty good idea. This this woman that had a, an, a degree in engineering when she was 14, she came up with an idea, but even that, I don't think could stop this. It, it's, a, it, it's pretty bad. It's, this is a, this is a very tumultuous situation. And I, I, I don't want, look, I really don't want to have to invent a special hose to blow smoke up my own ass, okay? And I'm not trying to do that. I'm really not. I'm, but I, after hearing... Rush Limbaugh basically, you know, say that BP is the greatest thing since sliced bread and, and there's nothing wrong with BP. And then hearing the other side saying that it's only BP's fault and that the government is great and, and God love the government and please, uh, you know, write me another welfare check. You know, there has to be a middle ground. And unfortunately for me, I have to be the guy that steps in here and provides the truth. And the truth is, you know, Obama didn't cause the, 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 the damn rig to explode and he didn't cause the oil leak. But he's been ostensibly worthless in a crisis. And I told you that this guy was bad. I told you this guy was a disaster and, and nobody listened. And I'm not saying that any other president, I'm not saying John McCain would have been any better. I'm just telling you, I, 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 again, I, I'm, I don't want to be the guy that say, I told you so, but I told you so. 
And America is seeing it. The approval numbers are down 41%. His, his approval index is minus 20. And what that means is, and it sounds very, oh, it's a minus 20 approval index. <laughs> Wicked awesome. But what it means is the number of people that strongly disapprove is at the, the okay, here's the, the official data. Okay. The number of uh, Americans that strongly disapprove of the president's job is at 44%. That strongly disapprove of the president's job, 44%. The number of people that strongly approve, 24%. So that's minus 20. His overall approval index right now, 41%. It's a new low. And it's not going to get any better. It's just probably going to get exponentially worse. Uh, probably. Because... The, even There are even some so-called progressives out there that were not happy with his speech the other night. Like I said, I, I, I kind of blasted Tom Hartman, but, you know, he actually criticized Obama's speech. The only, there's, there's a few of the sycophants out there that are still carrying the, carrying the water, carrying the oil for this president. Uh, there, you know, those folks are like Ed Schultz, for example, Stephanie Miller. Those people, they wouldn't say, if Barack Obama took out an AK-47... And, and actually shot uh, 117 people, they would just come on the air and say, well, I hope most of them are Republicans. <laughs> We're so funny. Those people, I mean, that's, yeah. that's so those people are, are the sycophants. They don't care. But there actually are at least a couple that have criticized him. And, and, and not for the, and I'm not criticizing for the sake. I know many of you, th you have this this thing, and you say, "Well, Mike, you, you don't like Obama. You've made it well known, and it's true." But I can be objective. I do have the ability to be objective here, and the 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 point is, no, he didn't cause the the rig explosion. No, he's not the guy that he can't stop what's happening in the Gulf, but he can damn sure do a lot more to minimize the damage than what's being done. He can mobilize a lot of the forces of the federal government. He, he can try his darndest to at least do something about the damn thing, right? Right. And, you know, to say, oh, he's been on it since day one. Well, that's it's not true. It's just, it's... And again, don't trust me. If you don't want to believe... I'm, 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 I always tell people, and this is the thing about me that's, again, different... I'm not the authority on everything. I do my research. I look at things. I read a lot. I'm not infallible. I'm telling you to look for yourself. The federal government hasn't been on this since day one. And I know there are people out there right now, too, that are using the old tired argument of, well, Mike, see, now you're saying the government should do something, but you're always the person that says, get the government out of my life. Well, yes, I'm the person that says I want a minimalist government. I don't want zero government. I'm yeah, not, he doesn't I'm, want a government telling him how to set a thermostat, but if something like this happens, he wants the goddamn government to do something about that. That's the, what the government is for. Well, right? right. The point is, is that we don't have my system of government right now. Okay. We have the system that we have. And the system that we have says that they should have been on this since day one, and they weren't. And, and right now, they're, they're trying to cover something really bad up. And the reason they're trying to cover it up is because they don't want Obama to fall on the sword for this. That's why they're putting a lot of those dispersants on the surface. And, and make no mistake that those dispersants that they're putting out there, that's just as bad as the oil that's spilled in the Gulf. 
And the fact that the media is being told by BP to get the F off the beaches and, and things like that and that the residents that are out there filming, and it's all over YouTube. You can't deny that this hasn't happened. Yeah, Tony, um, what's this guy's name again? Tony Hayward? Tony, yeah, Tony Hayward. He he put this video on YouTube, and he's like, this oil spill was a natural disaster that should have never happened. We were on it since day one, putting up this and that and cleaning well, up the animals. Well, I, I heard an ad. And, and they tur- the, the funny thing was, they turned off the comment, and there was only like three people that approved of the video. You know, they have the thumbs up and thumbs down system. Right. Yeah, yeah, like everybody disliked the video. Like a hundred thousand people were like dislike, and I can only imagine the comments that would have been. Well, like. I actually heard an ad today on um, one of the local radio stations here th- that was uh, the American Petroleum Institute or whatever they are, the American Petroleum Association, whatever. Uh, the petroleum industry took out an ad, which said that they're doing their best to. They're, they're all over it, and they're doing their best to clean this up. And I, I thought, you know, look, what a bunch of what a bunch of BS. What a bunch of crap. I mean, that's just, that, is, that is a load that is knee-high worth of manure, okay? That is just, and it is rotten. It is bad, okay? And, but BP has the worst safety record, and they do need to pay. I just don't want the government, I want the government, I want the legal channels that we have set aside already to go after them. I don't want the president telling them how much they have to pay. I don't, I want the legal channels to be, to be taken care of. And I know, I know our legal system is a joke. I understand that Exxon, that the folks in Exxon, that they just settled their last case like a, like a few weeks ago. Okay, uh, from the Exxon Valdez, I understand that our legal system is 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 terrible. Okay, I understand that it, it's a joke. Slow as molasses on a winter day. But as, you but know, I grandpa would say right. But at the same time, the the bigger joke is to just usurp the law. Is just to is, is to overrule the law. And when you have guys like Ed Schultz that get on TV and they say the president needs to be a dictator here, that's scary when you hear people say that. No, the president doesn't need to be a dictator. We've already Wait. been a dictator. We have already taken over. We already got the government involved in General Motors. We already got the government involved in the banks. Oh, that's worked out well. Yeah. I mean, God darn it. I mean, best, best takeover ever, right? Yeah. So, what I again, I'm advocating safety. I'm advocating I'm advocating that the government that that we go through the legal channels, and if you want to have, if you want to pass legislation, you want to say we, that, uh, and you want an investigation. To, I, I have no problem with an investigation of BP. I want a full investigation. If there is criminal negligence, which I believe there is, then I want that dealt with. Okay, if they willfully neglected safety then you go after him and you go after him hard friggin' core. Because this is, and again, I I repeat, I will repeat what I said from the beginning. This has permanent ramifications. Oh, and one other thing. He is my phrasing, the 9-11 of natural disasters. 
it's not natural disaster, but the 9-11, yes, the well, 9-11 of environmental disasters, yes. Environmental, sorry. Well, so, damn, what's the difference? So, well, it's not a natural disaster. That's still... Yeah, yeah, I know. That'd be like a tsunami. But right, a, a, a natural disaster... Still, my point remains. Right. My point remains. Right. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. I think the other thing, the other thing I want to emphasize here was that uh, people are asking about, well... So okay, let's say that let's say that this oil uh, rig that this this thing just continues to go. How long can this go? Well, the estimates of how much oil is down there in this in where they've drilled. Uh, I've read that this could actually this could this leak um, could conceivably go on for thirty years. Holy shit. Yeah. There's 30 years or more worth. Now, some people have speculated, said, well, maybe five years it would go on like this. And then it would, it would slow down some. Whatever. At that point, five years, 30 years, what the F's the difference? I mean, if it goes on like this for much longer, look, we already know that the, the, the life that's in the Gulf of Mexico, we, uh, we've read, I've, there's been Rude reports. For generations to come. There's reports of dolphins swimming through this water and, and they've got oil that they're blowing out their blowholes. I mean, that's just, it just makes that's you scary. sad. That's- it makes you so sad when you think about this. The, the fishing industry, the shrimp industry, it's ruined down there. And Barack Obama getting on TV and, and telling people, well, it's still okay to eat the fish. I mean, what? <laughs> I mean, do you, yeah, uh, do you know that? For, for is that a fact, call. Mr. President? Like, do you, do you actually have any authority to say that? Or are you just trying to make people feel better? See, what I want, what I want out of the president of the United States is what I want out of people. And unfortunately, what I get out of people, and, and this, is, this is in my personal life, this is in my professional life, and this is just in general. And this is a lesson that many people need to learn. What I want out of people is the truth. I want honesty. I want people to tell me like it is and don't sugarcoat it. That goes for the president of the United States all the way down to somebody I'm talking to on the internet or whatever. I want you to be honest. I don't want you to sugarcoat and I don't want you to just look me in the in the friggin' face and lie to me. When you tell me the fish is okay to eat, how do you know? You don't know. You're pulling that out of your ass. Mike, that oil, it, it makes for darn good sauce on the fish. I'll tell you. Well, well, yeah. The shri- well, Mike, uh, you know, you don't need to put oil in the pan. It's already in the fish. <laughs> I mean... Maybe put a little oregano on that. Makes for a damn good meal. Yeah, I mean, Fresh don't... Mm. That's just... But what I get... See, that's the thing. Again, I want the president to... I want him to just tell me as it is. I would have a lot of respect. I know this would panic a lot of people, but I would have I would have a lot of respect for this or any president that came on and said, "Listen, America, I got to tell you, this is bad. Okay, this I'm not sugarcoating this. This is bad. This is a huge disaster, and it's probably going to get worse. And uh, it's not safe to eat that fish down there. Not a, it's not safe. If you got it, don't eat it. Throw it away. You know, like spaghetti, uh, spaghettios." Campbell's SpaghettiOs. Or actually, they're spaghetti and meatballs. They just came out with a recall today. 15 million pounds of that has been recalled because, oh. of, because of under-processing. So 
I want somebody, I want honesty. I want honesty out of people. It doesn't matter who you are. If you're the president of the United States, if you're a friend, if you're just somebody I'm talking to and do a business with or whatever, honesty. I want you to tell me, I want you to tell it like it is because, I mean, damn it. That's what you're there for. You're the friggin' president of the United States. Whatever happened to the buck stops here. Instead, I'm getting, that's okay to eat the fish and pray. Pray for those people. Pray for those fish. And okay. Go. You know, look, I mean, pr- prayer is fine. And if that soothes you, and I mean, that's, that's great. But what I want the president to tell me is, here's my plan. Here's what we're going to do. Boom, boom, boom. That's what I want. Not, I'm going to make BP pay. Uh, yeah. uh, uh, I'm going to look that t- I'm telling him you're a bad man and you got to pay I've got to make him sit in the corner and think about what he did and, and and then I hear the president say well for too long in this country we've depended on oil and fossil fuel. you know that that's like you know what that's like doing that's like a guy a guy built his house out of wood and it burns down and, and then somebody comes along and says well pff, shouldn't have built your house out of wood well that's great well, and tell me what I should have built. And, it well, out. no, I know I'm guilty of this in a sense. I know after after Hurricane Katrina, I said, "Well, who the who the f would live in New Orleans? Why would you Why would you build a city that's below sea level on the friggin' Gulf Coast? Why would you build a city below sea level that's completely surrounded by water? Why would you build a bowl shaped city that is completely surrounded by water? It's dumb." So I know I'm guilty of it, but see, I'm not the president of the United States either. I'm here to give you my opinion. That's what you tune in for. That's what I am here to do. I'm a talk show host. I provide an opinion. The president of the United States is there to be presidential. The guy is there to, in a crisis, he is there to lead. He is, after all, the leader. He's considered the leader of the free world. So maybe the guy ought to start freaking acting like it. And the rest of the uh, the rest of the world the the well the bloom is the bloom is off the rose. See the bloom is off the rose. In the London Times uh, they well they're after him in London uh, England is all over the president because he's blasting BP. He's blasting BP and that's their major that's that's their company. And I know it's not called somebody corrected me the other night. Mike it's not British Petroleum anymore. It's Beyond Petroleum. It's still a British based company, you idiot. Don't tell me what it friggin' is and friggin' isn't. Well, Mike, it's not what it's called anymore. It's beyond petroleum. Okay, is it still a British-based company? Well, yes, it is, but that's not what it's... Okay, that's it. That's all I needed to know. Thanks. That was my point the other night. And the guy, this guy comes on and he goes... Mike, I gotta let you know. Actually, I got, I got like three people that did this. Mike, I gotta let you know that it's actually beyond petroleum. It's not been British petroleum for like 10 years. I'm like, okay, well... My point was it's a British difference. my yeah my point was it's a British based company telling people in America what to do. Yeah, here's my middle finger. Go f yourself. You could call it Nintendo, it's still British Petroleum. Yeah, that's yeah, it's the, the, you could call it Barack's Petroleum and it's still a British based company. Just so you know. Just so you know. It's called Beyond Petroleum. Okay, thanks. I, I totally pwned you. <laughs> you got pwned! <laughs> oh, right. God. Anyway, so that was, I, I had to, I had to come on here. Okay. I know, I know it's like a 40 friggin' minute opening segment. Yeah. 
But I, I had to get in here, and I know I got I got a zillion things to talk about, and I know there's no way we're going to get to them all. But yeah. you know, I I I just I had to address this because there's just so much noise and so much crap out there, and and it's time that somebody interjected just a little bit of reality into the situation. Sorry, sorry if I had to do that. This segment is so long anyway. I might as well just extend it a little bit further. <laughs> <laughs> So I got to tell Why you about not? this. This this is the other story that's equally scary. So we had these seventeen missing uh, Afghan uh, Afghans here. Yeah. And Senator John Cornyn is out there grilling um, this guy from. Where is this from? One moment, will I look here? Uh, he was grilling Air Force Secretary Michael B. Donnelly for an immediate report on the status of the missing men and an assessment of the potential threat to citizens in the state of Texas. He demanded to know why he has not been informed about the missing Afghans over the course of the last, get this, two years this has been going on and we're just finding out about it now. This is now just hitting the American wow. public. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> military-trained guys from Afghanistan, Middle Eastern men, that can't possibly end well. It went well last time some Middle Eastern men took over a plane. Yeah, right? these are all from these are all guys from Afghanistan. I find it very interesting. Seventeen Afghanistan uh, residents missing, just like uh, nineteen. Well, there were actually sixteen Saudis or fifteen Saudis, and then like one guy, or a couple of guys are from Egypt. Yeah, and Quote, the scary part is they have like all clear passes, don't they? Yeah. Quote, your department's failure to provide critical information related to this incident is unacceptable, Cornine wrote. He continued, finally, it is a serious mistake for officials to approach this serious breach as an immigration violation rather than a threat to the safety and security of our homeland and our citizens. Really? And here's the thing, too, about this. Isn't this interesting how this is coming out right now when the federal government is getting set to sue the state of Arizona over its immigration policies. When you've got these guys that came into the United States, I bet if they were here in Arizona and the cops pulled them over for some sort of traffic violation and they uh, dared to check their their immigration status, yeah, wouldn't you want the cops to check the immigration status of these guys, maybe? These missing Afghans that are on the loose? Just a little bit. Now, some of them have been accounted for. It's not 17 that are missing anymore. The 17 deserters had disappeared from Leckland Air Force Base, where foreign military uh, officers, who were they were training to become pilots, and they were taught English. And see, here's the thing you have to understand. If you're flying um, in international airspace somewhere, if you're, you know, if you're a German pilot and you're flying to Russia, for example, what language is the communication done in? Well, it's all done in English. English is the universal language of air travel. It's done that way on purpose because that way they, they, needed, a, they needed a universal language. They needed a language that was done because, um, well, there would be too much confusion otherwise. You'd have to have pilots learning, you know, 52 friggin' languages. So it's all done in English. Now, 10 of the 17 remain at large. Because uh, some, the seven that were accounted for, uh, this is, again, according to sources, seven of them have been accounted for. One 
went missing in uh, 2009, November of 2009. Now, he was found uh, in Canada. Another guy... Oh, I feel sorry for that guy then. Yeah, another guy... Um, he is a lawful permanent resident in the United States. Uh, one left the country. Uh, four more are in federal custody and are in their removal proceedings, but the other 10 are not accounted for. The Afghans who left the base at various times over the course of the last year, the most recent in January, were attending the uh, Defense Language Institute at Lackland Air Force Base in Texas. The DLI uh, program teaches English to military pilot candidates and other Air Force prospects from foreign countries and with the United States. The FBI and NCIS did not respond to requests for comment. Um, so, what and of course, the these guys are all saying, uh, they're, all, they're all saying, well, if you have any information, why don't you contact the FBI or NCIS? Oh, yeah. Let me just pick up the phone and get... Hello, operator. How may I help you? Yeah, I need the number for uh, NCIS, please. Uh, what? <laughs> How's that go down? So they I also you just Google it. These, you? these guys also have these guys also have um, military uniforms. They have uh, military ID that will get them into any you know basic um, any you know basic clearance area in military airport or military facilities. So for example, they could go over here to Luke Air Force Base here in the Phoenix area in the in the metro area. They go over there. Of course, uh, Luke Air Force Base, they've already shown they won't play around. They'll shoot you dead there. They had a there was a the little car chase that was going on out there. There was a little a uh, couple of people that were um, you know, uh, engaged in a little race out there not too long ago and this guy ran the gate over there at uh, Luke Air Force Base. They shot the guy. Shot him. They shot him and they shot him dead. That's what they did. They won't play around. They don't want someone just driving onto the Air Force Base without clearance. They'll shoot you. And they're serious about it there. So hopefully these guys try something with Luke. That'd be that'd be good. <laughs> but they have not accounted for these guys. Again, it's got to trouble you a little bit. Uh, there's 10 missing Afghans out there. Military trained people. Military yeah. trained. They and have not learned. even like in a bad place. I mean, this our territory. We know how to train people here. Yeah, they have uh, they've learned English. They know how to fly. There you go. All right. So, um, other news. I just want to mention one other thing here with BP. Tony Hayward, um, who has been overseeing the cleanup and all the uh, procedures going on here in the United States, relieved of his duty. He's been relieved of his duty. <laughs> so, he's just going to sit back. I guess he gets his life back now. I guess he gets to go back to uh, England. He gets to just chill out over there. And um, I guess I should mention something else too, and that is that they made uh, they made Joe Barton apologize for his comments about the government shaking down BP. Well, that's good. They made him apologize. Whatever. And it's like you're going to tell Johnny you're sorry for hitting him. Yeah. What if I don't feel like it? Well, we'll give you detention then. But I don't mean I'm sorry. Um, the United States uh, suing the state of Arizona over its uh, SB 1070. I mentioned mentioned that at the top of the show. Uh, this actually leaked yesterday. 
when uh, Secretary of State Hillary Clinton was in Ecuador. She was giving an interview to uh, Ecuadorian TV, and she said, quote, um, well, first, let me say how pleased I am that I have this chance to talk to you about these and other important issues. President Obama has spoken out against the law because he thinks that the federal government should be determining immigration policy. And the Justice Department, under his direction, will be bringing a lawsuit against the act. But the more important commitment that President Obama has made is to try to introduce and pass comprehensive immigration reform. Uh, By the way, when you hear those words, once again, just so you know, the translator should go on immediately, and that means amnesty. Anyway, comprehensive immigration reform, that is what we need. Everyone knows it, and the president is committed to doing it. Sure he is. That's why it hasn't been done. Compromising the law? Wow, that's... that's Comprehensive immigration reform. That's always the... That's what we hear. That's the talking point. You know what that means. That means they all get, they all broke the law, but since they all broke the law and there's so many of them, uh, we just give them all uh, legal status. Or So if everybody in the country commits the murder, we'll just ignore it? No, that's pretty much what they say, yeah. If enough people break the law, it means it's okay. <laughs> well, then I'll well, just have to convince all my friends to just... Well, well, now, hold on a second, though. Hold on a second, though, because that doesn't apply to, like, smoking marijuana because we all know how dangerous that is, and they continue to throw people in jail in droves for smoking weed. So it it applies to, like, some things. It applies to entering a sovereign nation without proper documentation. That's okay if enough people do it. But God forbid you light up a friggin' joint then that is grounds for jailing, apparently. Let's see. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to convince everybody to uh, punch Lady Gaga. And just convince a lot of people to do that, and they'll get away with it. You know, I have, I have a feeling that a lot of people would just look the other way at that one. I don't think you'd go to jail, or I don't think there'd be any big... Uh... Well, actually, I'd rather punch Fergie, but Lady Gaga will do. All right, um, that's that's that. Let's see. Yeah, yeah. there's a, there's so much stuff here. I, I gotta, I, I do have to take a break though, because yeah. uh, this this segment is like you know it's it's over an hour. We've been on this segment. It's this good is, enough to be the show. Itself. This is a show by itself, right here. This opening segment. Wow. Isn't that scary? See, I, I I didn't even I had no idea. I had no idea how long this segment. Scary. I, I didn't even say anything. Like uh, you, you said everything, Mike. I'm just sitting here the whole time, nodding my head. Well, I mean, so look. When yeah, well, look. When you when sometimes you have to be the voice of reason, and sometimes it just requires me to. to I, I I guess I had to be the dictator here, <laughs> as Ed Schultz would tell you. <laughs> it's okay though, it's, and I mean it's your show, man. I'm I'm just glad I'm here. Yeah. Uh, coming up, though, James does have stuff that he wants to interject, and uh, you know, I'm actually, yeah, so I'm actually rude. allowing that. <laughs> yeah. Now, yes, yes. Thank stuff. you, dictator Mike. Yeah. Bowing down, bowing down. <laughs> well, that's that's <laughs> how we're I heading here. Shine, so. May I spit shine your shoes, sir. May I offer you a Coke Zero as well? So, um, we'll uh, we'll take a uh, we'll take a quick break, and we'll come back and. We'll do more stuff because there's obviously still a lot to get to. 
All right, Mike at KMGX.com. Ladies and gentlemen, boys, stack of stuff. You know, I never even talked about Rush Limbaugh's wedding. You know, that was like <laughs> that was like two weeks ago. I never even got to that. Yeah, we're, we're supposed to. I was going to comment on that, but I guess now it's kind of late on that. He had Elton John play at his wedding, and he hired him for like a million bucks. And Elton John's like a huge liberal dude, but I guess, what was it? I don't know. I, I guess he got him. Listen, money talks. Listen, everybody has a price, Mike. Everybody well, does. Well, the dude got a $400 million contract last time. Rush did, so he can afford it. It's only the fourth time he's married, so. I'm God, sure he's, work out this time. Uh, yeah, he's got a long way to go to catch up to... To catch up to Larry King. All right, more coming up. It's Michael Graff in Exile on a Friday. Yes, it's actually still Friday for now. We're back after for this. KMGX.com, the email address. It's Mike at KMGX.com. AOL Instant Messenger, Michael Graff Show, the screen name. All of our information relevant to this here show available at the one, the only, MichaelGroff.com. All right. I've got... I'm all loaded up on Gatorade, and uh, I, I'm I'm good to go here. I'm good for another hour segment. <laughs> Jesus. I have to say, this is the one show. See, this is why I don't know if we could ever bring back the live element to this show or not, because these segments are so long now. And if yeah, I ever... Yeah, just because there's no time limit anymore, really. Well, I mean, there never... I mean, technically, there, there wasn't before, but I... I felt a little bit more of a of a time limit because see these shows the podcasts as they are as they're done now at least for those of you that might listen to this at a later time or you listen to this on an actual station you know these shows are recorded and and the thing is is that there's not necessarily a set time that I do them whereas before when we did this this show live which is how I've done this show for like most for the not over nine years that I was doing this show I did it live and it was on at a specific time and we sort of had a, a general time range for the show and we had kind of routine breaks and everything like that. So now we do these, I do these hour long segments 
I, I can only imagine going back to the way it was before and I'm doing 20 or maybe 30 minute segments or, or less. And that's, it's going to feel weird. It's going to be like, hurry up. You got to push through this and that. And so uh, with that in mind, I, I guess I should move on to, to something else. Yeah. Let me see here. So those of you that wear the tinfoil hats, um, you know, I have persecuted you for a long time on this show. Uh, specifically the conspiratorialists that throw around the words the New World Order all the time. And actually, my my best friend's dad, uh, he is all over this New World Order thing. And I always sort of poo-poo it, and I tell him, listen, it's not going to work. And I still, I still have my reservations about the New World Order idea in that it's not necessarily one that can come together in the way that a lot of people believe it can, because ultimately... Greed, as bad as it is, greed would even beat down a new world order because somebody would want a little bit more of something than somebody else has. And so eventually, and there are, of course, are countries that are not really interested in playing along with the new world order. Yeah, if everybody's dipping their fingers into the pie, nobody's going to get a slice of the damn pie. Right. So that's that's part of the situation. However, however, um, we do have... I do have a little bit to feed for you tinfoil hat wearing folks out there. And, and I'm not, you know what? I'm not even going to call you the tinfoil hat wearing crowd because it's not so much a conspiratorial theory anymore. It's not something that just is relegated to coast to coast AM. This is something that is actually out there and something that is tangible. And, and it's g gaining more traction when you have leaders of nations that continue to talk about it. We even mentioned Barack Obama mentioned the words New World Order before he talked about it. He said that that's what we need to drive forward. And, and he said many things that sort of alluded to it before. And now we have this uh, Medvedev, who is the, uh, he's the president of Russia. Let me see here. I have the story. Uh, this is uh, the Dmitry uh, Medvedev. Uh, Russian president said Moscow was uh, bidding to help lead efforts to build a new world economic order after the old system collapsed in the global financial crisis. Uh, opening Russia's annual economic forum in St. Petersburg, where hundreds of global chief executives have flocked, Mr. Medvedev uh, said that he renewed interest in Russia uh, this year, uh, or the, the renewed interest in Russia this year, was a sign of a changing world in which the institutions of the Western-dominated world order had had their day. Amid thousands, this is all, he's talking to all these different, uh, all, these, all these folks have gathered there. And you, you know, I don't want to make the obvious joke here, but I'm going to make it anyway. In Soviet Russia, world orders you. There you go. You In know? Soviet Russia, world order you. So uh, he says, um, with all the thousands of defaults, the corporate defaults, the threat of, uh, he calls it the threat to, um, you know, the um, threat to the economy. So he says uh, that it's time for a new world economic order. Quote, what had seemed untouchable has collapsed. The bubbles that created the illusion of flourishing economies have burst, Mr. Medvedev said. Yes, because as we all know, Russia has really had the flourishing economy for a long time. The way that they ran it for so long was so effective. Oh, yeah, they collapsed. 
<laughs> Quote, for Russia, this situation is a challenge and an opportunity. We are living in a unique time and we should, again, and I want to emphasize this is important, and we should use it to build a modern, flourishing, and strong Russia, which will be a co-founder of the New World Economic Order and a full participant in the collective political leadership of the post-crisis world. So he is using this sort of economic crisis that we're in right now, which we're still in, even though he's sort of using it in the past tense. He's using this as the doorway is being flung open to a new world economic order. And you know who's going to be on board with this or he wants to be on board with this? China. Now, that's very interesting because China is a flourishing economy. China is where a lot of the industry is right now. It's where a lot of our industry is, for God's sake. If you were to get like Russia, China, and Australia, like a few of the major countries on board with this, we not might be able to stop this train. Well, the thing is, is a lot of people say that we're not going to be able to stop it anyway because a lot of the people with a lot of the money, the George Soros's of the world and a lot of these other guys are already sort of in on it. The, the, the conspiracy side of it says that this is something that's already been decided. It's already sort of in the works and they're moving it in that direction. It's been moving in that direction for a long time and we're almost there. And that regardless of how we try to resist it, we're all just, we're, we're a very small cog in the giant machine that is moving directly toward this so-called new world order. And, and the new world order people, they don't just look at it as a new world economic order. They look at it as a, as a complete change in the power structure where there's one government, where there is ultimately one currency, where there's one authority, and the authority is not a democratic authority. The authority is more of a, I don't know, a, 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 I don't know. The New World Order people aren't exactly sure how it would be structured, but it's a few people that would have control, sort of a, either a, some sort of an oligarchy, I don't know, a monarchy, a, a, is it a plutocracy? What is it exactly? But as uh, Medvedev continues, he says, quote, Russia has changed. In the past year, as it sought to pursue a course of small politics that would leverage its competitive advantages in the new materials sector, while shifting emphasis towards modernizing the economy and focusing on uh, boosting innovation over resources. So uh, anyway, this is his point is that's the scary part of that quote, though, is in this post crisis world we need to move to it we have a partner in constructing the new world economic order and they're going to do it they could do it they have the means and i'm i don't know when somebody starts talking to me about the new world order i can't just sit there and go ah shut up i can't just dismiss what they have to say when major world leaders like Barack obama and well i don't want to say soviet russia well russia is major but Russia is still a big player. I mean, it's the biggest landmass on Earth. That counts for something, right? Well, Vladimir Putin uh, has long said that, and, and others as well, and I think there's Medvedev sort of the same way, that the old Soviet Russia is, is going to rise again, but not in quite the same way as it was before. But they want sort of the, the reunification of those breakaway states and they want a, a sort of that a, a neo-Russia sort of a, a new Russia that is that it's sort of the new and improved version of the Soviet Russia and 
they're going to join up with countries like China who have similar economic philosophies because this this whole democracy thing, they're not really liking it over there in Russia. It's not their thing. So again, this is something to keep your eye on and, and I don't know how to refute the tinfoil hat wearers anymore because it's not really tinfoil hat wearing kind of material anymore. This is, this is real. It's happening. You have people like this guy, this, this uh, uh, Medvedev. You have people that have used the words New World Order like Barack Obama. Hell, um, Gordon Brown, I- I- the England, he, he said that. If the major players stop talking, you start listening, right? Well, I've heard, uh, I remember, uh, I think it was Nicholas Sarkozy who um, wanted to uh, have, he was, I, I think there was some rhetoric there, and I know Gordon Brown has said this too, that they wanted a, um, uh, they wanted a, a sort of a, a one, a unified currency to use. Something sort of like they have with the euro. Something like the dollar, but it's, it's a universal currency. Everybody, everybody's on it. The whole world is on it. Well, there that's your new world order kind of stuff right there. And again, I'm not one of these guys that, it, you know, I'm no, I don't want to be the guy known as the obscure podcast someplace that's screaming about the new world order. I don't want to be sort of a, a an off branch of, of the Alex Jones sort of conspiracy stuff. And there's nothing wrong with Alex Jones. I'm just telling you, I don't want to be known as the guy that's on here screaming about conspiracy crap. Okay, I'm not, this isn't yeah. coast to coast AM. You know, I'm not going to sit here and talk about Area 51 and the government concealing crap because that's not my thing yeah, and, no. and I'm not into that. Okay, I don't I don't buy most of that. But I have to tell you that this isn't this isn't in the underbelly anymore. This isn't like stuff that's found on an, an obscure website someplace where you have to dig around for it and God knows somebody might have just created it just as a goof. This is real stuff now. You have leaders of major countries that are saying this crap. That's where it gets a little bit scary. You know what else is scary? Here's something that's scary. This is scary. The FCC said that it's looking, it's, it's starting to take steps toward the adoption of new regulations for the broadband industry, setting the stage for what some believe could become one of the most expansive lobbying campaigns to hit Capitol Hill by major telecommunications and cable providers. See, here's the thing. So they had this vote. The FCC took a vote today. The five-member panel of the FCC, which I I really do need to emphasize, is three to two in favor of Democrats. There's there's three Democrats, two Republicans. And interestingly enough, in a three-to-two vote, which followed party lines... Democrats at the FCC on Thursday agreed to begin formal consideration to adopt new rules for high-speed internet companies such as AT&T and Comcast. Now, up until now, they've operated virtually free of the FCC's oversight. Technically, the FCC's majority uh, uh, passed a motion to, quote, open for comment new broadband rules, the first step to passing the rules. The move represents a difficult political situation for the White House because uh, they appear to be on a collision course with Democrats in Congress. See, here's the thing. There's, there's, a, there's already sort of a rift. Democrats, some of the Democrats in Congress want more restrictions on, on AT&T and Comcast and all these folks. 
and, and regulating the internet more. And, and some people have different ways to, they want, some just want to regulate the, the internet providers. Some want to actually try and go after more content related material as it pertains to the internet. And this is, we it, always it sort of sounds like now, Maybe in an indirect way. It sort of sounds like the fairness doctrine, maybe. Well, it's kind of getting to that. Because well, this this is... Depending on how they play it, it. Like, if they regulate the content itself, they might, you know, want to start bringing down the blogs that, you know, the Republican blogs. Well, it's very hard to ever... I don't know if that's ever going to happen. A lot of people say that that could be a direction we go or that there's there's going to be a, an internet yeah. czar... You know, uh, why not? We have we have, we have czars as it is. What's another one? But while I'm not sure if we'll ever be at the point where we have uh, internet regulation, whereby the the internet operates under the same restrictions as, let's say, the airwaves, or where it operates under um, federal election laws and things like that, where if I come on the air and I I, I Let's say I bring a candidate on my show. Let's say I bring, let's say, you know, we have this big race in uh, Arizona. We have the Republican primary between J.D. Hayworth and John McCain. Let's say I bring J.D. Hayworth on and then, you know, somebody calls me up and goes, we're from the Internet Police and uh, you gave uh, 15 minutes of airtime to J.D. Hayworth. So now you have to give 15 minutes of airtime to John McCain if he wants it by federal election law. See, as it is right now. An internet station doesn't have to do that or internet broadcast, a podcast or whatever. They don't have to do that. Yeah. Federal election law applies to radio and TV stations, broadcast stations, which this is not. But maybe they'll change that. See, this is the thing. When you start, when you open the Pandora's box to regulating the Internet, it, it's, it gets bad. You know, uh, we're very lucky in the United States in a lot of ways. You know, in a lot of countries... They have what's basically known as throttled internet, or they have re they have restricted internet. So you buy your internet packages, so you get so many megs or so many gigabytes of download every month, and that's it. If you go over, you pay, and you pay through the nose. If you have, um, so you pay, and and you you know, yeah, it's, actually, and it's only um, so fast and. There's there's a lot there's a lot of countries that have that. Something uh, I'm not sure if you covered this on your show or not, Mike. But right now, China is dealing with a very big debate with Google because they want to restrict the search engine. But what Google is doing is they're rewiring it through Hong Kong, so that way everybody can get you know what everybody else in the world is seeing. Well, with yeah, the, that's 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 the other thing is is. China, when we've we have talked about that like extensively, that China has had the ongoing battle with Google, with Microsoft. They've had battles with everybody because in China, certain phrases are blocked in the Chinese version of, of various search engines. For example, if you were to Google, uh, not sure how to pronounce this, Tiananmen Square is that how to Tiananmen Tiananmen Square? Yeah, Tiananmen Square. Of course, what the rest of the world see, the, the guy with the shopping bag standing up to the tank, or people in China, what they see is, you know, a Chinese tourist attraction and this very nice flowery view of right. enemy square. And, and and then what happens if you, if you look up, like, First Amendment of the Constitution or something, you know, 
you're not going to get all the same because they want their information very, very heavily filtered. They want to make sure that, well, quite Nobody frankly, gets a free thought. Yeah, it's it is about thought control, and that's what China is about. That's what that's what real when you're talking hardcore communist China. That's what you're talking about. Religion. You look up religion on on search engines. You're not going to get crap. Not compared to what you get here in the United States. Yeah, you Google free labor, it's got zero of zero results. Did you just do that? Yeah. <laughs> That's we should have done. You know, I was uh, I, I've I've only um, I've only read the accounts. I've never actually done it, but I, I've read. You know, I I have like a like uh, I, there was a story we did on the show once about how somebody put in all these different results. They were over there in China, and they just said it's amazing what you don't get. That's incredible. Zero of z- there you go. Um, so the FCC and of course the FCC is sort of an extension of the Obama administration. Yeah. They have yes. a very very tough road ahead when it comes to this restriction of the internet because you know quite frankly and and this the internet which is everybody's on it. But let's face it, the, act, the really active participants in a lot of message boards and a lot of, a lot of uh, social networking, a lot of those people are younger. Yeah, and just, a just lot like of the me, younger I, people, a lot of the younger people voted for Obama. And, and when you start talking about restricting the Internet, those people, that's probably going to set some of them off. And even though ISPs, and I will admit there's, there's some ISPs that are up to some real shenanigans... Uh, I am not necessarily for uh, the government stepping in and regulating the Internet because God knows what could happen there. Just as I said in the opening of the show and just as I've maintained, and you'll hear it from me many times in the future, just like I'm not really excited about uh, reckless, irresponsible, negligent corporations, I'm equally as apprehensive about negligent, irresponsible, reckless government. Um, And... When it comes to, especially, you know, in the BP case, but even here, I'm far more worried about the government stepping in and regulating something and controlling it because we all know what what that can lead to. Depends on who's in power. And that's just what I said about the domestic spying situation, too. See, it it was the same thing. Government passed... The domestic spying issue, and everybody blames that on the Bush administration because it happened on his watch that it got approved. But, you know, Democrats voted for it, too. And, you, and, and people were baffled by that. And they said, well, why would Democrats vote for it? And I said on the show at the time, I said, because they're going to get power soon. You don't think they want it? Come on, man. You know, that's, that's the same thing here. All right. Now... To sort of, um, sort of head in a, in a slightly different direction. Yeah. Um, James has uh, something here, and and you know you all know that on the show regularly he he when he uh, co-hosts he uh, comes up with a list of like most expensive whatever most expensive phones yeah. and most expensive. Cakes. Yeah. Desserts. Food yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah, the platinum cakes. But, but this, cakes, right? this is something, and, and we'll still have that later, but this is yeah. 
I guess I guess uh, this is about the E three. This, this is my nerd out time. We'll we'll label it the nerd out segment. Yeah, I was gonna say this is this is total geek uh, the the geek segment of the program, ladies and gentlemen. This is this is yeah. it. And this is my uh, Nintendo fanboy time. Yeah. <laughs> so if you're if you're big into E three and you're big into a lot of the video game crap and which I am, I'm into it. Yeah. And and I know a lot of people that listen to this show are into that. So uh, yeah. geek it out. What's what's happening over there? All right. Well, um, the E3 Expo, I believe it was officially over today, which is good because that means everything's in. Everybody's tallying up the votes. And to put it quite simply, as I said it earlier, Nintendo kicked everybody's ass and then put it in the gutter. Nice. Uh, Sony, all they had this year was their stupid magic wand. And it's like, it's different from the Wii because it's black. They came out with the black Wii. When did that happen? Well, they yeah. wanted to be, uh, I guess, what is it, uh, racially equal, I suppose. Yeah, I suppose. Why, why does the Wii have to be white? <laughs> and, and Microsoft, <laughs> all they did this year was display their Kinect again, or last they, they called it last year, their Natal project. Mm-hmm. And it's impressive, you know, it's the Jets and stuff, but... Yeah, I mean, it's basically, they, it's controlling video games without a controller. Yeah, I mean, it's one step from the mind control video games, yep. you know? And so, Microsoft, Sony, the, the two big guys, they did nothing this year. Nintendo, oh boy, did they deliver. They delivered it with a cherry cake and a free whore. <laughs> so, so, coming first up, we got their new handheld, their new portable console, the Nintendo 3DS. And, um... If you haven't heard about it already, it's 3D without the glasses. Going to give you a second to think that in there. Wow. 3D without the glasses. Not 3D, man. It's going to ruin everything because they have these 3D TVs now. and yeah. They say if you watch too much of that 3D, you get uh, people suffer from headaches, and uh, it can actually be problematic to your vision. <laughs> That's yeah, crazy. actually, um, the, the Virtual Boy, you ever heard of the Virtual Boy? Yeah. Nintendo's biggest flop ever. If you played for more than a half hour, you got major headaches. Great. That was the thing about it. And most of the games were pretty bad on it, too. Of course. All right, well, back to the 3DS. Now, the thing about it is, they, the people who got to this thing, because the, the wait, it was like, dude, the wait was like an hour long, even longer than that. You, you got a slider switch because, you know, everybody's eyes work differently. And you can either have, like, full-blown 3D or you can you can set it way back to 2D if that's your thing. Mm-hmm. And here here's the kicker. You can watch movies on this. 3D movies. Wow. Uh, there was actually a viewing of How to Train Your Dragon on it for free at the booth. So, like, so movies like Avatar and stuff like that, you can watch that on there. Yeah, they're and get the not all effect. the details. Yeah, not all the details are out yet, but they're working with a lot of movie companies to get that in there. DreamWorks, there you go. Get on it. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Um, I want to talk about the games too, but I'll be covering that in a minute, so I won't talk about that. And it, and from the looks of it, it won't break the bank either. It's got a slider thing. It's got um, some touch buttons, and it's got all the stuff that the you know, the Nintendo DS had only its 3D, basically. 
So that's good. It's got an SD card slot as well. Wow. Yeah, all right. So, so that's good. Um, the the second thing that was big is that Rock Band gets real. That's literally the title. Um, apparently what Rock Band has done is they modified a guitar, a real six-string guitar, so that way you can play Guitar Hero on it, or you could even plug it into your own amp. Okay, now, see, that's that's cool because... My thing about Guitar Hero and that, it, you know, it's it's great that people, it gets people involved in music and everything, but it's it's not like really playing an instrument. Some people argue yeah. it's actually harder than playing the guitar. I would say uh, no. Yeah. It's, it's hitting buttons sequentially. It's it's nothing more than a much more sophisticated version of Simon. Um, yeah. You know, so I don't, I don't think that, but I thought the problem with it was if you're going to sit there and learn to play Guitar Hero and, you know, to really be good at it, you have to put in a lot of time. I mean, I've watched people play guitar. It's hard. It is. It's, I'm a musician, for God's sake, and it's hard. So, yeah. well, but, I fair, think, but I think, but I think, I think it's, I think it's cool. Yeah, but, dude, I mean, piano, guitar, it's, it's an instrument. And it's, for some yeah. people, some people say the guitar is way easier to learn than piano. Some people say piano is much easier to learn than guitar whatever my point in all this is i say if you're going to spend all of that time learning guitar hero why not actually sit down and learn a real instrument well now you can sort of have the best of both worlds yeah you can either plug it into your console or your actual you know amp or half board or whatever they call it right yeah I, i'm not i'm not shabby with the computer with their music but i do know how to fix my own snes <laughs> it's the best <laughs> all right well <laughs> After that terrible impersonation. <laughs> yes! Alright, All right. Um, I'm going to skim over this because people saying this is a big deal. Apparently the Project Natal Connect, whatever the hell they're calling it now, um, it now has the voice recognition capabilities. Literally making for... You, you don't even have to get off your couch, dude. If you're watching a movie, you can say pause and then... You can just get off your couch, take a piss, and then come back and say play. You don't even need a remote anymore. That's always good. I think I think that's I think that's great. I I you know we have you know uh, similar things to that in Windows. You know you have uh, text uh, or speech recognition and speech to text and all of that. Why not have yeah. that in your video game system? Although I think it'd be a little bit annoying. Left. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah. I mean, up, down, up, down, coming. left, right, left, right. <laughs> up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, be a start. Yes! Can you imagine somebody in walking in on you doing that? Yeah, that well, like they, be they a knock little... at the door and they hear you shouting, going, left, fire, fire. At that point, I'd rather someone walk in on me jacking off. Or, you know, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's always good. What kind of porn are you watching there, Mike? Uh, yeah. All right, um, let's see. Um, and then, of course, we get to the big news. Nintendo just let it all out, did it say, to, um, to uh, go off on the jacking off statement. They just let it all out. Uh, okay. <laughs> we have a new Mario. We have a new Zelda. We have a new Donkey Kong. We have a new GoldenEye. We have a new Kid Icarus. We have a new Kirby. Okay, wow. so these are games, a lot of these games, of course, a lot of people recognize Kid Icarus, um, 
You have uh, GoldenEye, which is great. Yeah. Mario, all that. So these, this isn't just a re-release. No, uh, this is well, a. It, it's it's new. So in other words, it's or is it a re-release? Well, yeah. Let me get to it, Mike. Um, from what I've heard, the Mario game is going to be a sports game. It's going to, you know, go off their Wii Fit. They're going to be playing basketball, I believe. Oh, okay. Well, that's a little disappointing. Well, and the Zelda game, the. Well, I'm not sure. I'm not 100% sure. I don't have the full article. Uh, the Zelda game, the big news about this is that they're going to use the Motion Plus, and you can actually use the sword to, you know, kill a Dagongo or whatever. Uh, so that's always good. Okay, I'm I'm all right with that. Yeah, it, it's, it's no different than the Wii Plus thing, though, really. You know, the, uh, but, you know, the but second... I is it it's gonna have is it the same graphics and everything? Or I mean are we talking Yeah, they improve the graphics, they improve everything. You know, it's whole new gameplay, you got new boss, new enemies. Oh, okay. All right. So I've never been big of a Zelda guy. The only one I liked was Link to the Past. Link to the was Past the was the best Zelda. The original Zelda, of course, is just it's classic. Everybody loves that. Yeah. I do anyway. Ocarina of Time, it's okay, and then, you know, or everything else. We're probably gonna get hate mail. You realize how much hate mail we're gonna get get for saying this? I don't know. What's wrong with Zelda? There's see, that's the thing. A lot of people like video games. It's not like there are people that listen to this show and they go, "I only want hardcore." Well, at least when we did the the live version of the show, there were people, "I only want hardcore political analysis. I don't care about this other BS that you're talking about. Don't even bother." You know, I would get a little bit of that. You know, when, if we'd even talk about sports for a second, I was, "Oh my god, it's sports." So, you know, we had that problem. But yeah. generally speaking, there's this is this is the demographic of the people that listen to this show. Quite frankly, most of the people that listen to this show, they they love their video games, whether it's old school, whether it's, you know, brand new stuff or somewhere yeah. intermediate. So I think I don't think you're, we're going to get a lot of, uh, you know, well, hate mail. Well, we just ragged on Zelda. So, I mean, I didn't. You, you're the one that said you're not a Zelda fan. I like well, I hated Zelda, too. I thought that was that was lame sauce, but I mean, the original Zelda and Link to the Past was the best Zelda yeah. game. Everything after that, I, I'm was actually lame. I actually have the emulator on here. I'm I'm like a quarter way through the game. It is good, man. It is yeah. damn good. All right, that well, uh, back to the stuff. I'll save the best two for last. Um, we also have a re-release of Donkey Kong Country. Now, this is also big news because. There hasn't been a real Donkey Kong game since the N64. Sure, you had Donkey Konga, but that was that was stupid. I mean, it, yeah. it was the it was the retarded version of Guitar Hero, really. Yeah. Put it quite simply. So, Donkey Kong Country re-release, new graphics, new game. That's awesome. We also have Kirby's Epic Yarn. With apparently Kirby's being made a yarn now, and. I haven't checked that out because I'm not a big Kirby guy. I like I like the um, Super Nintendo version where you get like all the Kirby games. Yeah, I just like Kirby's that Avalanche. Okay. That was the only that was the only Kirby game I ever played. Yeah. All right, and so like I said, we saved the best two for last. Um, we have a new GoldenEye, folks. Now that's GoldenEye. awesome. GoldenEye is getting a complete graphical makeover. It's getting uh, I. I've heard rumors, I'm not sure how many, I think it's like five more levels and three more characters. Sweet. More weapons, like, a ton more weapons, and 
a lot more things, which is, you know, that's great. Uh, I'm sure the, the multiplayer, hopefully that's been, um, that's in there and it's going to be upgraded. You know, the problem was they, they dropped the ball. They have on like co-op. Well, what everybody was so hyped up about because GoldenEye was one of the most popular game. Well, I think it was the most popular game on the N64. So, uh, at least in terms Maybe close of, in, to Mario in, in terms, yeah, in terms of sales, I believe it was right there. Yeah. So what I want to know is if you have a game that's that successful and they, they had, they had that, that multiplayer and that was what made that game so incredible. Yeah. Um, then they followed up. They had that perfect dark game. Oh my God. Yeah. That that so dropped the ball it was so everybody was expecting they were like this is gonna be great it's gonna be like another golden eye and then it sucked and people wanted to advance the concept of that because you had all these uh, you had so now with with Wi Fi and with uh, the internet capabilities of these consoles man could you imagine golden eye would be great I'd love yeah, to I mean, be running around the, the temple imagine golden eye with the Wiimote. imagine oh god I. <laughs> I'm getting like a nerd. Well, I, I guess. About it. Yeah, I guess. But for me, like, uh, I just, I can just imagine actually playing it on the internet. I imagine running through the facility, uh, you know, with with the RCP and stuff, and just and just mowing people down with that AR thirty three that they had in that game, which is you know an AR fifteen, but whatever, yeah. and just and and blowing people's asses away in with playing Goldeneye. I mean, that would be great. And with the graphical makeover, that's. That's awesome. I like. I love it. Love it. Love the news. And and well, this is probably the biggest. You know, the biggest thing for everybody. There's going to be a Kid Icarus game. There you go. It, brand new Kid Icarus after twenty years of begging, pleading, you know, just bleeding on the floor, begging for <laughs> it. There's going to be a new Kid Icarus game. But here's the best part. It's going to be on the 3DS. Kid Icarus on 3DS. That's it. it Took me a minute to let me think that in. Not only is there going to be a new Kid Icarus game, it's going to be on a console that uh, that alone convinces me to buy the 3DS. Kid Icarus on it, done. You have me sold, Nintendo. Yeah. Well, except it's on. Okay, so it's on the 3DS system. Yeah. Which is basically like. What is that? That's like the. Um, yeah, I, I just told you it was the first thing I talked about. Yeah, you know, it's. Um, that's their. It's been... <laughs> <laughs> that's so it's it's their portable thing. Yeah, it's... Which, I I hate portable systems, I'm sorry. I really do. I like consoles. Yeah, I mean, to be quite frank, I I never bring portable systems. I always either bring my iPod or a book. Yeah. And a car, so I mean, (laughs) I play portable systems at my house. This this is the one I actually wanted right here. The cheesier version. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Ah, oh, oh man, that's wonderful. Classic, right? Yeah. All right, so, but and, at um, least at least it is coming back. That's cool. I mean, so yeah. so Goldeneye. Now Goldeneye, that's on the 3DS. All the, these are all on no. the 3DS. No, no. Uh, Goldeneye, Donkey Kong. That's all on the Wii. That's all on the Wii. Okay. 
I just wanted yeah. to make sure that I got that clarification. So, so that's on the Wii. Man, I'm going to go out and get a Wii now. <laughs> yeah. There's also rumors of a Resident Evil game on the 3DS, which is good for me. I love Resident Evil 4. Good game. You know, Resident Evil was, a, I guess it was a pretty good game. I, I remember I played it on the original PlayStation. I played the first Resident Evil, and that was good. And yeah. Resident Evil 2, I remember. Jeff was it's- really big into that. Uh, the only thing I the only thing I found wrong with it is that you take green herbs, put them on paper, and then you feel all better. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Okay. I mean, listen, it's a video game. I mean, some of the stuff yeah. isn't going to make sense. I mean, we you just have to sort of accept that going yeah. in. Yeah. So that's the E three news. Yeah, there were. Couple of disappointments, you know. There's no Last Guardian, no new PSP, no price for the Connect. You know, there's there's a lot of unconfirmed stuff, and you know, a lot of people were complaining too many sequels. But you know, I found it to be all in all a pretty good, damn good year for overall. Like the major players, they didn't do so well, but third party companies and Nintendo, they delivered. Well, that's pretty good. Well. All right, so overall, uh, you'd have to say that that was good. All right, well, that's E3, yeah. I guess. That's This is the end of the nerd segment. The nerd, yes. I shot my nerd load. <laughs> um, it was George Lucas at the convention. Oh, gosh. So, right. so okay, so uh, I'm, I'm glad, though. Okay, so uh, video game fans everywhere, uh, everybody that's into, especially the old school video games, you're going to like that. The GoldenEye thing is really what I'm looking forward to. Uh, yeah. I'll have to get all the uh, the old gang again. We'll have to come over. Well, uh, two of the people yeah. that I used to play GoldenEye with hate each other now, so I guess well, they could they could settle there. I'll, I'll invite you over to my house, Mike. We can play some GoldenEye on the N64 and the Wii. Well, there you go. Yeah, I, the the Wii is. Uh, I still have my. Uh, I still have GoldenEye here, actually. Um, yeah, I, I still have my N64. GoldenEye, believe it or not. GoldenEye is right in my t- Nintendo right now. Believe it or not. Yeah. Well, I would. I'd believe it. Yeah, I got. I got all of the old school compliment. I got Genesis. I got Super Nintendo NES. I got N64. Let's see, do it. Do I have the? No, no, I don't have that. But, but I got all all the old school stuff. The only thing I need is the Dreamcast, and I'll be set. Yeah. All right. Well, let's see. I guess we should take a break. And then, yeah, we'll we're right off with the nerd shipment. And um, then, oh man, we got to do the pop chart coming up. Plus, and, I have my shoes. <laughs> and then and and yeah, James has his most. These are the most expensive shoes. How much are you willing to drop on a pair of Nikes? This people? this is generally the segment for the ladies. Yeah, but really anybody could like this yeah. segment, I guess. I mean, if you're into really buying expensive shoes, man, I thought the people that used to spend one hundred and fifty dollars for Air Jordans when I was a kid was. An idiot, but this is. Don't forget the Reebok pump. Pump it up and air it out. I remember that. I know. I know a lot of people that had the the Reebok uh, pumps. Yeah. But there's a lot of people. Man, that was that. Don't and forget the, the Hush puppies, right? And the Air Jordans, and of course, you know, I I had like non-name brand. I had like generic shoes. I got made fun of a lot. It's okay. 
dude, you're shoes. They're like lame, man. <laughs> yeah. But you know what? My shoes were like 20 bucks. And they spent two hundred. So who's the real idiot? I mean, yes. Eventually, I got I got you know shoes I didn't get made. I got Reeboks finally when I was like in eighth grade, and yeah, that was cool. Yeah. But I actually got these really lame nerd shoes. But the funny thing was, everybody liked the ne- movie Napoleon Dynamite, so everybody thought it was awesome. I had these moon boots. <laughs> <laughs> At least I never got beat up for my shoes. That was the good yeah. news. So thanks, mom. <laughs> All right. Mike at KMGX.com, the email address. It's Mike at KMGX.com. On a Saturday from where I am. Yes. Uh, it's getting late, but we'll be back and uh, put a very large bow on probably a very large segment when we continue. Catch my breath. Close my eyes. I just have to point out how awesome I am. I inadvertently hit the post there on the extended yeah. intro mix of this song. Thank you. Nice. I'm awesome. She said, over heart, something wrong inside. It's you in a minute. Ooh. Then you know you're in it. these geek segments that's what this is what we really should be using alright mike at kmgx.com the email address it's mike at kmgx.com hate mail or otherwise um also, that's our PayPal address, Mike at KMGX.com. You can donate to this program should you feel the need to keep us on the air. And gosh, wouldn't you just want to hear more of this? I mean, really, wouldn't you just want to hear more of this quality program? I know I would. All right. I'm addicted to Star Trek. Let's see. What's that? This is really crazy music right here. Yes, see, that's what I said. Next time we do the uh, a geek segment, this is uh, this is one of those things that uh, we're gonna have to roll out. It's a great tune. So, um, where was I? Oh yes, Michael Graff Show, AOL Instant Messenger, and of course, all of our other information. MichaelGraff.com is how you can. Uh, Access anything else related uh, to this fine program. All right, now. The excellence in broadcast. Ladies and gentlemen, excellence in broadcasting. I can't believe Rush Limbaugh got married. He got married to his, uh, well, he got married uh, for the fourth time. He's catching up to Larry King. He's still got a ways to go, though. He's only halfway there. <laughs> the yeah, he, the thing I'm wondering, he didn't even have to walk down the aisle. He was already there. Nope. That's how big he is. <laughs> yeah, your mama's so fat. 
Um, his uh, formerly nicotine-stained fingers now have yet another ring on them as uh, he is married for the fourth time. You know, it's interesting. He got Elton John to play at his wedding. That's like a million dollars that he paid out. He had this $400 million contract that he recently got. I, I mean, it's great. I, I don't know. I, you know, I'm happy for the guy. See, that's it's just the cruel uh, aspect of life how, you know, a guy uh, can get married four different times and here I am. Never married once. Always the bridesmaid and never the bride. Anyway. Ladies, Michael is single, and so yeah. am I. Yeah, still single. It, yeah, just play, just play like that cheaty 70s porn music or whatever. Still single. still, still single. Um, you know, it's no, no, listen, it's no big deal. You know, it's, and on an indirectly related note, I just want to point this out too, uh, because I mentioned the email and everything like that, and we get messages. So, um... We are, of course, always seeking um, additional people to be on uh, the Michael Graff program here. Uh, you want to join in on this? You want to co-host a show? You want to uh, actually host an edition of Michael Graff in Exiles, uh, the best of edition, actually. If, you if you're host, tired of me raping your ears, you well, can rape my ears. If you want to, yes, if you want to host a best of the Michael Graff show, you can always do so. Um, or if you want to co-host with me, then uh, just send me an email as well, mike at kmgx.com. We can sort of make that happen uh, if you're uh, interested in doing that as well. I would at least be uh, open to it. I'm entertaining the idea of that. It's just another way to get the audience more involved, more interactive in the program. Something else I want to mention, and I don't want to really want to make a big deal about this, but it's it's this is kind of strange. So new people add me on Facebook and things like that all the time, and... Um, I don't know who they are. Most of the time, they don't even tell me who they are. But then what's weird is, is so somebody will send me a message or they'll, they'll add me or something. And then, so I send them a message back and I, I, you know, try to get a conversation going with them. And then they never message me. <laughs> they never communicate. <laughs> like, I don't get it. I don't understand. I, it's weird. Like, like five or six people that I either responded to an email or that I messaged back this week, they didn't communicate with me. Am I, is it really that bad? Am I that bad a human being that I don't even get a response? I don't know. I don't, I don't get it. I send people messages. There's, there's this chick I added this week and, and, uh, and I sent her a message. She didn't respond. There's a couple of dudes on there. I, I don't know. I don't know what's going on with people. You have a lot of stalkers, Mike. No, if I had a lot of stalkers, then they'd respond. They'd want to talk to me. That's you. a stalker. I mean, God, no, they, they're like the creepy kind of stalker. That well, they don't, don't say anything. They just they just night. look to the they just look to the people. That, I'm going to see what his status is. I'm going to look. Oh, he changed his status. Uh, I listened to his show the other day. I think he was talking to me. Yeah. You know, it's that creepy. That's it's just it's so weird when. I think I think that bumper was dedicated to me. No, you'll know if the bumper is dedicated to you. Believe me, I make it quite clear. The the bumper is dedicated to um, hot chicks everywhere. How's that? Yeah. Well, sometimes. Uh, generally <laughs> not. Anyway, um, so I just thought I'd throw that out there. So if I do send you a message, you know, it, it would be okay. It's it's actually not a bad thing. You could respond. This is it's so weird. It's it's kind of strange. I don't understand it. Whatever. He doesn't bite very hard, at least. Well, uh, I just generally nibble. Oh, we're nasty. Ooh, that's oh, that's nasty. Oh, big snaps for me. 
All right. Well, uh, on that note, let me see here if I have. I, I have to get you this. So we, I have to talk about soccer because. Yeah, it's, it. it's the phenomenon that is not sweeping the United States, but it is sweeping the rest of the world. The rest of the world seems to care about it. We don't, clearly. So, so far, the United me. States has played in two games in the World Cup. Uh, for those of you that need the math, that's because a regulation soccer game is 90 minutes. That's 180 minutes of soccer. And so far, in 180 minutes of soccer that the United States has played in, there's been no... Resolve. There's been nothing. Each game has ended in a tie. But that seems really fruitful, doesn't it? See, here in the United States, we're used to games where there's a winner and a loser. See, that's kind of interesting because there's, there's always a winner and a loser. And in sports, is the same way. There should be a winner and a loser after you go through the grind of a game. And I know you're going to tell me, well, see, these are the preliminaries. It's the first group. It's the first seven games. And so you have to understand that there's, um, you know, there can be ties. And the scoring system is you get zero points if you lose and one point if you win and two points or one point if you tie and two points if you win. And then the winners, you know, the top uh, four in the group, they all go on. Uh, yeah, okay, I get it. Still, I just think ties are stupid. I've always felt that way with any sport. You have this big premiere event, and then it goes to a tie. And then there's this controversy over whether or not the goal counted or not. And that just makes people even more upset with soccer because the ref is some guy, some eye chart name. I don't know, Obliguiera Eridan or whatever his name is. Uh, I don't know. But clearly, it's not. His name isn't Joe Smith, and clearly it was, it seemed at least that it was a call against the United States sort of kind of you know, on purpose. And that just makes Americans care even less about soccer. Who cares? Soccer really does suck. You play for 180 minutes and there's still no winner. And what the hell? Kind of, I mean, I've watched baseball games. They just keep going. If, if it's tied after nine innings, they go to a 10th inning. Still tied at an 11th inning. Still tied at 12th. They'll go on. I've watched, I watched the, the Padres play a game two years ago. They played 22 friggin' innings. And then they find, you know, finally there was a resolve to it. Okay. But at least there was a winner. You know, I, there's you've got. It's like I'm about to play Goldeneye for ninety minutes, and then I ended up getting a cop out of a kill. You know, it's stupid. There uh, should be an actual winner. Well, there should be something, a resolve, not a tie. A tie is stupid. So anyway, that's just my. That's like the the one of a million points that I think that's wrong with soccer. Uh, the other problem is um, these vuvuzelas. The Vuvuzela, it sounds like, a, it sounds like a, a, a beehive in the background of every game because these things are in South Africa. The games are in South Africa. And I guess that's a South African thing, the Vuvuzela. It's this big horn. It's like three feet long. And you blow this horn and it just makes this god-awful sound, which is apparently, according to those who know, it's louder than a lawnmower. It's louder than a vacuum. It's loud enough to actually cause he hearing damage. So this vuvuzela is this phenomenon that's taken over the soccer world, and it's it's pissed off a lot of viewers, pissed off a lot of diehard soccer fans. They're so sick of the vuvuzela. I, I guess in um, England, the BBC did a broadcast where they did a a vuvuzela free broadcast where they had these guys in a soundproof booth, uh, soundproof booth. He tried to say, uh, doing the broadcast. 
and uh, you, there was no Vuvuzela action in there, which must have been kind of weird. It must have been a little bit strange because you need the kind of the natural sound of the game. It's just like with baseball or football. You need sort of the natural sound of what's going on in the field and sort of the, the crowd. You need a mic there, and it just gives a better feel, so it must have looked kind of weird. Then you have these British, oh, that was a rotty good kick there. You know, with like no other sound, that must have been kind of strange. I do shade there, good man. Nice, I'm going nice, to have a shit my tea and biscuits and Listen. then comment on your cheerio pip pip. Oh, this is the 83rd minute and still not a goal score. This is the 5,000th minute of the game and still yet, sir. Not even so much as a goal has been scored. I say, no, so uh, it's uh, the Vuvuzela is taking over soccer, and that's just another reason that soccer sucks. And you could say, well, it's a South African thing, Mike. It's not everywhere. Oh, contrary, it's spreading. The Vuvuzela is spreading. The other night at a, at a uh, reportedly, at the Yankees game. The Yankees uh, were playing the Philadelphia Phillies in interleague play, and somebody brought a Vuvuzela into Yankee Stadium. <laughs> Somebody got a Vuvuzela in there And they threw the guy out Because the Vuvuzela It's loud man It's not like It's not like a kazoo Like people say ah, it's, It sounds kind of like Just a, a very loud kazoo It's not It's it's really loud And it's This this sound And you can hear it On the, any soccer game You watch This is going on constantly It's non-stop and somebody brought it into the Yankees game. You know, but sometimes people bring in... I, I remember watching old... Um, I remember the Diamondbacks would go and play in Montreal, back when there was the Montreal Expos. And they played in Olympic Stadium in Montreal. And the Montreal Expos were never a very good draw. And it got to the point just before they moved and went to Washington... Uh, and became the Nationals. Uh, it got to the point where they were drawing four thousand of a game, three thousand a game, not even. That was the listed attendance. Sometimes, literally, there'd be a thousand people. I remember watching a lot of those games, and just like when you watch Marlins games now, you could because they mic the they have a mic that's over the uh, on the back of the screen that's just behind home plate, and they have a couple other mics around the the field. Sometimes you could hear individual conversations. So it was that way with Montreal, except in, in Montreal, they had a guy that was there with like a big old horn. And you would hear this. And, you know, because the stadium was empty and it was Olympic Stadium, which is huge. It is this cavernous stadium. And it just echoed and echoed and echoed. It's, it was like a guy blowing this horn at the Grand Canyon and say, and so that's what this guy would do the entire game, and you'd hear that. And even the broadcasters, it was very hard for them, I'm sure, not to even comment on it. Every once in a while, you'd hear somebody go, well, there's that guy that blows that heart again. And, <laughs> boy, he certainly amused again. I mean, I'm sure after nine innings, you wanted just to get out of the broadcast booth, go down there, and shove that horn right up the guy's ass. You wanted to beat the guy until he died with his own horn. I don't understand why you wouldn't. Watching it on TV, it was brutal. Or listening to it on the radio was brutal. That's what you that's what you heard from not I mean there was a game Yeah, there was a game there was a game that went like twelve innings there and and literally nobody was there was like there there had to be fifty people left in the stadium. But luckily Horn Guy was still there. 
So it's yeah, bad like, enough if there's one guy with a horn in a state, but these are not just horns like that. These aren't not, these aren't like air horns, you know, those, those, those things that are really loud that just make a short, loud noise, or even those, those big, like trombones or something. These are, these are like the, I don't even know how to describe them except to say they're very long and they've just emit a very loud sound. Yeah. It's like, you gotta throw the back to the batter. And it's, but and it, oh my God, that was incredible. And it's, yeah, it sounds like a hornet's nest in all these soccer games. Well, my point is, so here, this is, this is great. So now we have, we all, we have not only a problem with the Vuvuzelas and broadcasters telling them not to blow the Vuvuzelas, but now we actually have a reported injury from Vuvuzela. Insurance saleswoman Yvonne Mayer, 29, was unable to speak or eat for two days after ripping her windpipe when she blew the three-foot horn during a uh, street party in Cape Town. Well, I must say that I, uh, I had a girlfriend that blew her windpipe on me, so I've got to tell you. There you go. Uh, the next... So doctors were apparently shocked. And now I'm not talking about me anymore. Doctors were apparently shocked... Uh, after they diagnosed her with a ruptured throat and ordered her to rest uh, and completely allow it to heal. The bizarre injury is the first known Vuvuzela-related <laughs> accident since the World Cup kicked off last week. Uh, Yvonne from Cape Town said, quote, I, I had never blown a, a Vuvuzela before, but was given one at work and was going to watch the first South Africa match. So I thought I'd take it along. Anyway, she continues. I was walking toward the fan park in Cape Town and blowing it as hard as I could when suddenly my throat started to hurt. How dumb. Okay, let me just quote. At first, I thought I'd gone down uh, with a bug, but the next day it was worse. When I went to the doctor, he took a look and then laughed. He said, I'd ruptured my throat by blowing too hard. <laughs> Boy, this, I swear I've read the same thing in a Paris Hilton related story. He said, I'd ruptured my throat by blowing too hard and that perhaps I had been doing it all wrong. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If, if you blow out your throat uh, by blowing on a Vuvuzela, you're doing it wrong. But after that, I was told to go home and relax the whole area. It meant I wasn't allowed to eat or speak at all for almost two days. I was starving by the time I could finally eat some soup and yogurt on Monday. Yvonne was given a checkup after the incident and uh, at the Metacross Hospital in Cape Town's Table Bay suburb. Specialists said that an initial tear in her throat caused by air pressure had grown into a wound due to her constant blowing. <laughs> Yvonne added, quote, they said that it would heal by itself given time, but were worried that it could get infected. That wasn't got by boo boo that was Peter. Gee gee goo. It said, quote, extensive surgical emphysema is present in, the, anyway, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. It's crazy. Sorry, this woman, this woman blew out her own throat <laughs> by with this vuvuzela. Well, it serves you right. I bl 
She's just like, I'm just going to go nuts. Do you know the people that play the tuba, for God's sake, that carry that damn thing around or the trumpet trombone? Uh, Kenny G with that damn saxophone. Do you know he's never ruptured his throat from that? Kenny G has played. He, he, he was the guy that did like that 45-minute continuous note. He didn't even blow out his own throat. So we blew out our own throat. That's how dumb these people are with these vuvuzelas. That's how crazy these people get with these vuvuzelas. And, and, you know, it's not doing damage just to your throat. It's doing damage to your ears as well. It's at 127 decibels, they say, this vuvuzela. That, that's actually just at, I think that's just at the level. 125 is considered uh, dangerous. It could cause hearing damage at 125 decibels. So it's just over the threshold. A lawnmower isn't even that loud. A blender is only like 85 decibels. That's, a, that's like a damn loud blender. Yeah, or 80. It's bad. We're, we're probably talking at like what, 35, 45 decibels right now? I don't even know if it's that loud, honestly. But it's 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 loud enough to cause hearing damage if you're if you're exposed to this vuvuzela. So that's another reason soccer sucks. The ties, the vuvuzelas. Oh, and then there's this story, of course, about the Chinese that are posing as North Koreans. So North Korea has a a team in the World Cup, but they so they they pan over ESPN pans over to the fans, the North Korean fans that are out there, and, and they're clearly Chinese people. They're actors that have been hired by North Korea to pose as North Koreans because, of course, North Korea doesn't let anybody out of their country uh, to, to go and attend a World Cup game. Why? Because they never go back to North Korea. That's why. Uh, it's just the more, it's the compassionate part of Kim Jong-il and North Korea. Ah, North Korea. So, uh, but they do, I mean, that it's a legitimate team they have, but they don't have any legitimate fans. So anytime they try to question these fans about, you know, well, uh, how did you get out of North Korea? Uh, do you plan to go back? See, they wouldn't answer. They wouldn't comment to the media. Probably because they're not from North Korea. They're Chinese. <laughs> oh, my goodness. All right, and... Um, then, as if that's not dumb enough, I have this. From, this is from Rhode Island. There's a boy who has been, you'll, you'll relate to this, James. There's a kid that got banned from school because. Oh, boy. He was banned uh, because, uh, they, well, I, he okay. Here's what happened. So he was wearing a hat. He oh, made what? a hat because the toy soldiers. He had this hat with toy soldiers on it. Yeah. Okay. And so he got banned because these toy soldiers were carrying guns. <laughs> that's a real. That's actually that is a that is a real story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, toy soldiers got this kid in a lot of trouble because they were carrying guns. All right, so yeah, um, he was 
Luckily, though, so this kid was awarded a medal on Friday for his patriotic efforts, though. Lieutenant General Reginald, oh, what is this eye chart? Uh, Centra, Centric Chio. He is the retired head of the Rhode Island National Guard, gave eight-year-old David Morales a medal called a challenge coin during an appearance on WPROAM's John DePetro show. The general said that the second grader should be thanked for recognizing veterans and soldiers. Quote, you did nothing wrong uh, and you did an outstanding job, he said. We can only hope that kids of your caliber will continue to defend this country. The general continued also, he uh, gave David a certificate that allows him to call himself a, a, check this out, a, a brigadier general. <laughs> so there you go. Yeah, it's, that's, that's our school system for you. That's, that's your public schools banning a kid because he wore a hat with toy soldiers on it and the toy soldiers were carrying guns. Yeah, um, it's okay if I update the people on how I relate to this, Mike. Yeah, sure. Yeah, for, for those of you who don't know, um, uh, I forget if we talked about this on the show or not a couple of years back. Whether you got whether you got banned, you got banned from school because you brought a zapper. No, I didn't get banned, but well, you got, I actually you got, got in the trouble. cops called on me because I had brought a orange Nintendo zapper to school. Yeah. It was crazy t-shirt day, and I was gearing up on Nintendo stuff, and I put the zapper around my arm, the, the t-shirt, I mean, and the, they called the cops on me. It was ridiculous. I didn't get arrested, but... So, the, the school, now here's what, so remember, and I actually never got to talk about this on the air. So what happened was the school said that David the kid in question here could continue to wear this hat as long as the soldiers weren't holding any guns. The general here, this uh, Cantraccio, said that that didn't make sense because soldiers are armed. And then met with school administrators. He, this, this guy, this general, he actually met with the school administrators. He probably banged his head into the wall. He was sort of like, I actually defended... I went overseas. Do you know, I, I was in the National Friggin' Guard. I did all these things to defend this country from idiots like you. Or for idiots like you. And now I'm having to defend it from idiots like you. Quote, I think it's really special, he said. I'm going to definitely enjoy this day for a long time. He said about uh, getting this medal and the certificate. That's cool. So, I mean, it has a, a happy ending in a sense. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> More from the Michael Gove. Scott Kennedy without bullets. I mean, they have guns for God's sake. More from the Michael Grove show. Stupid news file: Bikes used at the Tour de France this year will be scanned to make sure that they do not have illegal motors. <laughs> the International Cycling Union announced on Friday. The move comes following rumors that Fabian Cascaria Cascaria used. Mechanical doping during his uh, on on his uh, vehicles in the Tour de France, um, actually in the the Tour de Flanders and the Paris Roubaix, which uh, the Swiss Olympic 
time trial champion strongly denied. This guy was accused of hiding a motor in his bike. Wouldn't, wouldn't, that, bikes, I mean, wouldn't that be kind of obvious? Like if somebody comes by you and you're, you know, people, you've heard bikes ride by you before and you, know, you hear the pedals yeah. and everything and the guys are breathing and everything and all of a sudden you hear this. My question is how they hide the goddamn motors. They're, they're like the size of teepee rolls, for God's sake. I mean, you know, obviously. <laughs> like a guy rides by you and you're, you hear that, it's Kind of a good indication. Yeah, if you start hearing the NASCAR engine, that's not a redneck. Yeah. Like, like, I don't understand. Like, either you did or you didn't. I don't know how you could hide that. And I, I, I guess that doesn't really make any sense. Well, he had a jet engine hidden. <laughs> In his bike, like you couldn't yeah, really. Yeah, it would uh, it'd, it'd be like this. You hear this? Well, that sounded that sounded pretty normal to me. That sounded like a bike going by. <laughs> they really need to investigate this. Quote. This instrument recently tested with a successful outcome will allow the official to detect any illegal devices that may be concealed, for example, in the bicycle frame. How about look at the damn yeah. bike? Like, how about look at the, just look at the, but you don't need a special device. You know what you need? You need your eyes. And maybe you touch the bike. Maybe you get on the bike and you see if there's any like little buttons on the handlebars. How... It's it's pretty hard to conceal a, a motor on a if bicycle. If there's a giant bright red nitros button, that might be a tip off. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, I, I thought the gas pedal on the bike was a little bit strange, but you know, I thought the fact that he stopped at a that he stopped at a gas station on the way that that was a little bit strange. But he just said he was, you know, he was uh, buying uh, some some snacks. So we didn't really. <laughs> We thought that was all right. That was a good explanation for us. Every time he passed by, uh, he was. We thought it was weird that he was making motor sounds with his mouth, but but also we could we could clearly tell that it wasn't just from him. <laughs> yeah, I put cards in the spokes, right? Yeah. So well, yeah, why not just put? So now uh, now he's gonna put cards in. The, yeah, that's a great idea. Put cards in the spokes to conceal the motor sound. You know, <laughs> the 2010 Tour de France begins in uh, Rotterdam on July 3rd and concludes in Paris on July 25th. And of course, nobody really gives a crap about cycling, but I just thought that that was very strange. Hey, it's better than NASCAR, right, Mike? It's really not, actually. It's actually it's NASCAR. It's a less popular, less interesting version of NASCAR. Don't get me wrong, okay? I, I'm, I think it's, I think it's great. It's tough. Cycling is harder than you think. Cycling is tough, and I have a lot of respect for people that do. You know, Lance Armstrong and and, and all these other guys, Floyd Landis. It's great. It's wonderful, and and you can certainly, you're probably a much better bicyclist than I. There's no question about it. You can do a, you can, you can bike for for 22 days on the Tour de France, and I mean that it's hard. Okay, riding through mountains, going through all the various conditions that they go through, it's tough. But nobody is disputing that. 
but Plus at the same yeah, ride in that like nutsack type suit for 20 well days. and then That's there's there's that part. too i mean riding in bikes it's been proven that your sperm count is pretty much done if you ride on bikes for a long time <laughs> yeah and then that's that's not even that's just true. I mean, people that ride bikes excessively, there's a lot of reports that some of those guys have erectile dysfunction. Well, and that's that's not out. even again. I'm not making a joke about it. That's completely serious. So, uh, it, it's it's tough. It's tough. Well, next but, time Paris Hilton one rides one of their bicycles, she'll remember that, won't she? But at the same time, the thing about bicycling or cycling is that I don't care. I mean, it's just not entertaining. There's nothing interesting about it. Yeah, look how he made that left turn. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, at least they make left and right turns. Yeah. Holy shiznick, right turns? You're kidding me. Then, to top off the stupid news story, the stupid news stories, we have this. Oh, boy. Police have issued an arrest warrant for a man accused of injuring a gas station clerk while attempting to rob him with a caulk gun. A what? You know, a caulking gun. <laughs> you know, you, you use the caulking gun to line your, you know, to fix up the caulk around your tub, showers, sinks. That's what That's... he attacked the guy with. The suspect right. fled the scene in the company of a uh, transgender prostitute he'd picked up earlier in the evening. Like, this story starts out with a guy holding up a gas station with a cock gun, and then it gets weird. (laughs) Anyway, this is according to an affidavit issued by the Travis County Sheriff's Office. The affidavit says that the clerk, Johnny Lamille, uh, 68, told police that a man dressed in women's clothing entered the speedy sh- the speedy stop on East 51st Street around 4 a.m. June 7th and bought a pack of cigarettes and $5 worth of gas. The affidavit said that uh, just after he walked out to the red pickup truck at a gas pump, another man who police later identified as Jose Alejandro Romero. <laughs> Ale- Alejandro. He, uh, what was this guy? He is, uh, 30. Actually, this guy is 17 years old. <laughs> wow. That's, that's fun for the whole family, isn't it? Yeah, that's, uh, there you go. Anyway, he walked into the store with a cock gun and, um, It was partially visible under a white T-shirt, the affidavit said. The man pointed the gun at Lamal and demanded money, the affidavit said. Lamal told police that he thought it was a joke when he saw the gun, but then the assailant continued to demand the money, the affidavit said. The man struck Lamal with the gun after he did not, actually could not open the register drawer. Uh, The affidavit said then Lamal struck back hitting the man with a plastic trash can. Wow. It's like an episode of Jackass. It's gone bad. The assailant left the store without any money and sped off in the red pickup truck, the affidavit said. And of course, let's not forget, the guy was with a transgendered prostitute. (laughs) Boy, he was in for a great night. A cog gun, a a, a prostitute. So well. Yeah. 
What's better? You get a pack of cigarettes, $5 worth of gas, a cock gun, and a prostitute. You're set to go. A transgender prostitute. Nothing better than that. <laughs> this song fits so well. Uh, it's like the soundtrack to, to this guy. The other man uh, later identified as Kenneth Williams, a transgender prostitute, told police that Romero had picked him up from the street before he attempted the robbery. Hey, baby, why don't you come into my truck? I'm going to get, get, go uh, get some gas. I'm going, to, I'm going to go hold up the, the, uh, the gas station over there, Hans. Uh, hey, baby. I'm totally gonna like. Uh, why don't, why don't you get into the back of my truck? You look so hot in the dress, dude. And I did call you a dude. You're like Lady Gaga and shit, man. You were like totally transgender, Helms. Anyway, uh, Williams, uh, Williams spent the night driving around with Romero as, uh, uh, as he got the money. He had to go get the money to pay for his hooker from. Hey, let me drive around. I'll get you the money from several different gas stations. And that's what he did. He went to several different locations, including the mobile home, including his mobile home to buy and smoke crack. Well, and if you're going to get it on with a transgender prostitute, you're going to need some, uh, how should we say, motivation. I'd say liquid courage. In this case, you know, powdered courage. You need some coke. You need some crack. crack okay. Anyway, it was during it was during this time that Williams suggested that they stop at a gas station because he wanted to buy cigarettes. The affidavit said, "Hey, uh, we gotta get it on tonight, man. I uh, I need to go get some cigarettes, dude." So this is what the Secretary of Homeland Security does in the off hours. Anyway, police confirmed that Romero's identity yesterday uh, when they visited the mobile home where his mother also lives, the affidavit said. What were you... Wait. More like... Hey, what are you doing out all night? Romero, what are you doing? Mom, I'm an adult now. I can do whatever mom, I want. I'm, gonna, I'm almost... I'm devil D, mom. You don't need to tell me what I need to do, see? I mean, what is going on with this weirdo? Well, well, to be fair, he is 17, so, I mean, living with his mom, uh. he has an excuse. <laughs> I now, this song is taking on a completely different identity now. Police have not arrested Alejandro Romero, who has been charged with aggravated robbery and being really, really stupid. What have I told you about hanging around with the transgender prostitutes, Alejandro? Mom, this is my prostitute. Mom, okay? these are my. It is my life, mom. You cannot ruin me for the rest of my life, mom. I'm going to go out there. I'm going to pick myself up the prostitute, the white boy, man. I did not know. He, I did not know he was a man. I see. Did not know he was a man, weirdo. <laughs> Flap my knees and call me Alejandro. <sighs> All right. Well, I guess. I guess with that, it's it's only apropos oh. that we only ever so appropriate. Yeah. It's here we go. It's that time of the week, folks, where we take a look at what's on 
the pop chart. Oh, I just love to groove out to this. Hang on. Well, these, of course, this is the time of the week where we take a look at the 10 biggest songs in the world of CHR pop. Uh, based on official airplay data across top 40 radio stations around the country. And um, it's usually the depressing part of the week because you get to hear uh, what's on the pop charts. And I don't know. I don't know. if that, Is that such a good thing? Uh, well, we, we all... We all need a little bit more, you know, depression in our lives, Mike. Yeah. All of us. Well, I, listen, I, I mean, I understand. It's uh, it's not, um, it's tough. It can be tough. But. Um, all, right. all the rage with the emo kids this day, you know. All right. So number 10 on the chart this week is, uh, well, it's Train still hanging on at number 10 with Hey Soul Sister. Number nine, it's B.O.B. This is Nothing On You. All over the world, I could be chasing, but my time would be wasted. They got nothing on you, baby. Yeah. There it is. Nothing on you, baby. Nothing on you, baby. No, you feel where I'm coming from. Regardless of the things in my past that I've done. All right. You will each perform. Uh, I, I I have to tell you, as I as I just slam down the, <laughs> I slam my fist down. I just couldn't take that. Um, I have to tell you that I am furious. I, at this pop song. It's terrible. Anyway, here's number eight. It's billionaire. This would be Trevi McCoy. Trevi McCoy. I wanna be on the cover of. Forbes magazine smiling next That's the first time I got so mad I just slammed my fan down on the console I couldn't take oh, it every time I close I my eyes I see my name in shiny lights yeah it's just another one of those wimpy tunes I can't imagine why America is becoming more femme all the time with this kind of music Meanwhile, at number seven, it's La Rue. This is Bulletproof, or as we like to call it, Singing over the soundtrack of Mega Man 3. Not a very catchy name, Mike. What's that? Not a very catchy name, Mike. Been there, done that, mess around. I'm having fun, don't put me down. I'll never let you sweep me off my feet. I won't let you in again. The messages I've tried to send. My information's just not going in. Burning bridges, show 
What's that? How about video game karaoke? How's that? It sounds. It kind of sounds like it though. It's like. Almost imagine playing Mega Man 3 to this. Now. That's, that's what I'm saying. It's it's. Oh. It is. It's like it's like the soundtrack for Mega Man 3 is in the background. Yeah, yeah. But she just came up with words Bullet to it. Man, that song. Just playing that song, going against Bullet Man, right? Well, if there was a Bullet Man, that would be it. They're probably putting on like Mega Man 11. Yeah, like Mega Man 75. Bullet. They just ran out of. They're like Man Man. Yeah. Finger man, arm man, they all, they shoulder have man. Wood man. They have cloud man. They have concrete yeah. man. Yeah. <laughs> I'm waiting for like old man, Viagra man, Bob Dole man. Man, Bob Dole doesn't Coke like man. this man. Bob Dole. <laughs> Alejandro man. <laughs> Transgender prostitute man. <laughs> <laughs> well, you could call it man then, could you, Mike? Oh my god. All right, number six, it's Tile Cruise featuring Luda. It's Break Your Heart. Luda. Now I may not be the worst or the best, but you gotta respect my honesty. Uh-huh. And I may break your heart, but I don't really think as anybody as bomb as me. Uh-uh. So you can take this chance in the end. Everybody's gonna be wondering how you deal. Yeah. You might say this is Luda, Chris, but Tile Cruise, tell her how you These songs are just insufferable. Actually, the, the cheesy synthesizer and all that stuff in here is kind of infectious. All right. <laughs> That's, yeah. People love the pop chart. They do. Come on. These songs. There's got to be people that listen to this show that are buying these tunes and that are listening to these songs because you can't tell me that they get all the airplay on radio that they do and then nobody's buying it. Just to be fair, Mike, I listened to the same thing, only in Japanese. I'm not sure why. Well, then I guess I guess you're just as guilty. Well, eh, yeah, you know what I am guilty, goddammit. Yeah. All yeah right. It's just I can't stand to be like everybody else. That's probably it. Number five, here it is. It's the theme song of transgendered prostitutes everywhere, based on the last the story. Official. It's Lady Gaga and Alejandro. <laughs> hey, man, I love this song, man. Hey, man. Alejandro Romero, I'm up there, Will. Well, that's it. This song is officially, it's, you know, again, Lady Gaga reminds me. Lady Gaga reminds me of somebody, and and it just, it bugs the crap out of me. But that's why I don't like her. But this song has its own identity now. It's fine. Yeah. Her boyfriend is like a dad, just like a dad. A transgender dad. I think this really, if you listen to this, it really fits that story kind of. You know that I love 
you know, to be fair, if if I was at like a dance, which I never go to anyway, if if a hot chick invited me to dance to any of these songs, I could probably do it. I mean, they're danceable. One they of the, are. One of the bumpers on this show that we have in in our kind of semi regular rotation is this song and the only reason that I, I remember is because I was at a club once and I had I had a really great night at a club and no if you're wondering the end of the story does not involve me getting laid but Maybe. yeah but uh, there's a lot of stories I have that end with me not getting laid uh, <laughs> but regardless um, so I was out at this I, I have to tell you so I was out at this club and, and this song was on and uh, the, the hottest chick I've ever seen, you know, in, in at least at the time in my life. The, the, I mean, this this was, I was like hypnotized and this song was on. It was like this perfect combination of this song and this chick. And that's the only reason I remember this bumper. I remember this artist. And that's why it's in our, our semi-regular rotation. Um, I'll just tease you with that. And then you can figure out what song it was later. There. I'll tell you this, it was it was about seven, eight years ago, back in the days where I actually went to the club. So Yeah, yeah you you'd be bouncing the club, all the ladies at the yeah, floor. Yeah, went to the club. This is ladies. why this is why he is hot. Yeah. I was at the clubs and all the ladies. Actually what oh I would do God. I usually I when I went to the clubs I never danced. I basically never danced unless I had a lot and I mean a lot of liquid courage. So you, I, I would song in my head, Mike. I would oh, just sit yeah. there. I would just sit there and sort of dance, or you know, watch people dance. I would sit there and talk to people, you know, and I just, I just chill out. Sometimes I'd hang out outside, like in the in the back part, where just people would just want to sit and I don't know, just drink. So yeah. see, that was the thing for me. Like I'd go with my friends, and then I just wind up drinking, and then maybe if I got really drunk, I'd go out and dance. But generally, I would just sit there and and drink. God damn it! You just put a song back into my head, Mike. Are you all right over there? What's 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 the matter? What did I? <laughs> you you just put the. Well, I'm not sure if it was both of our faults or not, but you just put the song back in my head. What Alejandro? No, no. This is why I'm hot. It's a song from like 2000. Well, I didn't. I've had it in my head for like a week, and I finally got it out like five hours ago. But now it's back in. All right. Well, maybe this will chase it out of there. It's uh, <laughs> number four. It's Katy Perry. This is. California Girls, a G U R L S. Remember when Katy Perry put out songs and they, they were only marginally sucky? Yeah. <laughs> right. coming. Yeah. Jeez, Mike, you're a dinosaur. Meanwhile, number, number three, we're back to it again. It's uh, it's B.O.B. This is Airplanes. I believe this is actually Airplanes Part 2. Pretend that airplanes in the night sky like shooting stars. I could really use a wish right now, wish right now, wish right now. You know, could we pretend that airplanes in the compared to some of these other songs, I mean, this, this is almost not quite as bad, but then it gets to this part right here. Yeah. yeah. Let's pretend like it's 98. Oh. Like I'm eating lunch yeah. off a styrofoam tray. Yeah. Trying to be the next rapper coming out the eight. eight All right, so that's, that's uh, unfortunately number three. Yeah, there goes my ears. 
Well, it does uh, it does get worse, as you know, as we get closer to the number one sag of the nation. Um, as it, it is inversely proportionate, it does seem. Uh, number two, it's Usher. OMG. I should. I always forget to point this out. This is actually Usher featuring Will I Am. Oh, you remembered. Oh, 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 oh. I fell in love with Shawty when I seen her on the dance floor. She was dancing sexy, pop, pop, popping, dropping, dropping low. Never ever has a lady hit me on the first sight. This was something special. This was just like dynamite. Honey got a booty like pow, pow, pow. Wow. Honey got some booty. Oh, God. All right. Honey like got a booty like pow, pow, pow. I could use one of those horns right now so I can deafen the myself. Vuvuzela. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, we could use a Vuvuzela to the ear. We could use a Vuvuzela in here. I would actually just take it and beat myself about the head with it uh, at this point. <laughs> I prefer the Vicodins, but okay. And of course, I suppose that takes us to the anticlimactic part of this entire thing. Where we hit you with the number one song of the nation. Number one song of the country. Well, how long? I think this is like the fifth week. I want to say that this has been number one. I think this is it. Yeah, it's Kesha. Your love is my drug. Number one. Yeah. So there you have it. That's your pop chart for the week. Yep, that's it. That's uh. Should we? Should we? I, I don't know. I don't know what to do. I, I sometimes I always threaten to go to a different chart sometimes, but you know, people just they gotta get their pop music. They gotta see what's what's big, what's happening, what's hip. Coming up Let's next week. Coming up next week on the pop chart, we'll probably have something from the Black Eyed Peas because they're up to number 11 with a new song they have out. And that's just going to be painful, I can tell you right now. Uh, I already have a migraine. Doesn't matter at this point. Kesha is the one that really puts it over the top because it's just screaming. It's just this, it's it's really... She she literally kills my will to live momentarily. (laughs) Because she's breathing the same oxygen as me. I mean, my God. Uh. But we can end it on on a on a slightly. I don't know if it's a happier note yeah. because this suicide man. It's the only way out. I guess I guess this is a better note. So James has this his list. Of course, he always has a list of the most expensive whatever. Yeah. Uh, so uh, he's done things like the most expensive cell phones, the most extent expensive iPhone covers. Cover. Um, yeah. But this, this for the ladies in the audience, this is especially notable, and that's not all sexist. All the single ladies, um, all the single ladies, all the single ladies, all the single ladies, and uh, you should note that. Uh, oh God, you got me going <laughs> on that, really? Yeah. Uh, so. Oh God. I'm oh, sorry. So this is for you. You get uh, you get the most expensive shoes, and you also get my 
very sexy, seductive voice along with it. Oh, goodness. Yeah. Hey, now. What's going on there, ladies? You got a seductive voice. Yeah. I'm a little bit underage there, ladies, but I can still go to a soda bar with you. Wow. <laughs> I can, st- All I right, can um, stay up till 10. All right, go ahead. <laughs> to be fair, it's 1.10 a.m. where I am right now. Right. All right, well, okay, now, just so you people know, this is going to get a little confusing. This is the top ten most expensive shoes, but the thing is, there are two tied for number two, so instead we're going to be starting off at number nine. All righty? Yeah. You got that? Okay. Okay. Coming in at number nine, we have the diamond-encrusted Nikes. The diamond-encrusted custom Nikes come, well... Let's see, should I name the price tag first or give off the specs? Go, whatever, however you want to do it. I guess just go f- through the specs and then... All right. Uh, you know, price tag first. The diamond-encrusted Nike, standing in number nine, stand in at $50,000. Wow. <laughs> that's uh, that's a lot for Nikes. That's about Let's what people see. would pay for those Air Jordans, though, the Nike Airs and stuff back, back in the 80s, back in the 90s. Uh, these custom-made Nikes come with 11 carats of chocolate-covered diamond to outline the swooshes of the Nike logo, mm. or the SoCal or Air Force One Supreme Max Runners. Yeah. That's that's a mouthful of a name. Wow. Let's see. Their claim to fame is that they're, they're the only men's shoe wear on this entire top ten, people. Wow. Let's see. These custom-designed Nikes where fancy-colored diamonds were laced up by the owner, er- Arnold Dawkins and C. Couture Boutique owner Rita Patel. Bleh. That's another mouthful. So, and Big Boy endorses the Nikes. Oh, and nice. I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, Big Boy, man. Man, these Nikes are the shoes, man. <laughs> Somebody stole my goddamn Nikes. Cracker stole my Nikes. <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> Cracker <laughs> crack stole my iPhone cover, Cracker stole my Nuggets. Hey, Shaq, I'm the greatest player ever. Nobody better steal my Nuggets. Big dies. Hey, go ahead. Alright. Uh, standing in at number eight, we have the slippers worn by an Indian prince. Standing in at $160,000. Yes, I, I, it's worth more than the entire country of India. Yes, sir. That's how valuable my feet are. Yes, sir. Mm, no, yes. sir. Hot dog, hot. The rest of the country is in poverty so that I could afford these shoes. Yes. Let's see. These rare slippers were encrusted with rupees and diamonds and were once worn by the Indian prince Nizam Sikadander. Oh, yes. We've ja all heard of, of him. Hy- <laughs> jaw of Hyderabad in the 18th century. Yes. Uh, let's see. Apparently, the shoes were once stolen by a 35-year-old man. And they got it back through an anonymous tip, though. Yes, so luckily, see. we had the tip line available to us from the call center that is also located in India. Well, it's... no, they're in Toronto, Canada. Oh, dumb Canadians. They got our <laughs> shoes back. Stupid Canada. They got our entire economy and a goddamn Yes, museum. they have our economy in Toronto. Don't steal my shoes. I will kill you. I will blow you up. Oh, wait, that is the wrong place. Oh, wait, whatever. 
Yes, sir. No, sir. Hot dog, hot dog. I speak in the English. No, sir. All right. Uh, standing at number seven, we have the Stuart Whitman Diamond Dream Stilettos. Aww. Aww. <laughs> uh, standing in at... Hold your breath now, people. Keep holding it. Keep holding it. Half a million dollars. Half what? a million dollars for Diamond Dream Stiletto Shoes. All right. Let's see. Go! It was... <laughs> yes, the shoes were designed by Stuart Whitman <sighs> herself. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Just play that a couple times. <sighs> All right, so designed by Stuart Whitman herself and the jeweler Kuwait partnered to create these stilettos adorned with, get this, 1,420 brilliantly cut Kuwait colorless diamond weighing in, weighing over 30 carats and set in platinum. No wonder Saddam Hussein wanted to take over. <laughs> wow, this is like, so, so, so what did the robber steal? He stole my shoes, officer. Why not go down to Walmart and buy another pair? What? Well, you don't understand. These shoes were worth half a million dollars, officer. Yeah. Cool <laughs> okay, um, so you're like, under arrest as well for being too stupid. <laughs> That's what they do with all that money they're making from the oil there in Kuwait. We have diamond and crested shoes. The rest of us live in shacks. We eat yak and we ride on camels. But at least we have very nice shoes, sir. <laughs> no, the jeweler Kuwait, not Kuwait, Kuwait. Oh, I thought you. I thought it was from. I thought they were from Kuwait. Oh well. Whatever. No, K W A I A T. Kuwait. Mm. Mm, gonna have to cut that other show, are you? No. All right. Well, standing at number six, some, a, sh a pair of shoes we're all familiar with: the Ruby Slippers from the Wizard of Oz. Oh, there you go. Okay, now we're now we're getting somewhere. Now, now, that, now, I heard, I heard those I fetched. Understand. I actually heard about these. I, I heard it was something close to a million. Actually, uh, it was like eight hundred thousand or something. Six hundred and six. Uh, the top bid was six hundred and sixty-six thousand dollars. Wow, six hundred sixty-six thousand dollars. Now, see, this might be understandable. I mean, it's one of the greatest movies of all time. It's a childhood movie. I mean, everybody's seen this movie. I still wouldn't this, pay. It. Yeah, I mean, it's still, I mean, you wouldn't wear them, but I mean, no, it, but it's at least an artifact of yeah. sorts, right? It it has it has value in that everybody knows about it, or a lot of people know about it. Yeah, you can go like, you know what? I got the goddamn ruby slippers. Bitch. I can click my heels. <laughs> yeah, cut. Ooh, big snaps for us. Big snaps for clicking the heels. Ooh. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's see. The specs include. White silk pumps from the Inns Shoes Company. They were customized by the Wizard of Oz costume department. The bows have three large red glass jewels, bugle beads, and glass rhinestones in silver settings. Uh, while it is believed there were seven pairs, count them, seven pairs created for the 1939 classic Wizard of Oz, the only four pairs whereabouts are known. One pair than the Smithsonian, stolen in 2005 and has yet been recovered. <laughs> <laughs> the last pair to come up for sale was in 2000, and it was sold at an auction by Christie's for $666,000. So they could be worth more, but that's the highest amount they were paid for. 
Alright. Alright, so standing at number five, we have the Stuart Weitzmans again. Once again, we got Stuart Weitzman. The Retro Row the Pumps. Standing in at one million dollars. There it is. There's your million bucks. <sighs> I'm going to give you guys a moment for that. Because I just got a headache. Realizing how stupid I am and you know how intelligent I am compared to some of these people. Alright, the specs include two diamond roses fixed to the 1940s-style dusty gold hide heels. More than 1,800 Kuwait diamonds, not Kuwait, mind you. Okay. Uh, weighing 100 carats were used to make the rose. Wow. Uh, let's see, their claim to fame, their weren't everybody here by Stuart Witchman to the Hollywood Cinderella, whatever, whatever. The point is, the shoes cost a million dollars, and I want to blow my brains out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I, I actually didn't even look over this list because, you know, I like to see my own reaction as well. Yeah. It's good uh, radio material there for the folks at home. Ladies and gentlemen. All right. Uh, standing at, at number four, we have Stuart Whitman again with the Platinum Guild Stilettos standing in at one million and ninety thousand dollars. Oof. <laughs> well, geez, Mike, it's bargain at twice the price. Yeah. Only ninety thousand dollars more. Yeah, I mean, that's. I think you see those over at Neiman Marcus. I, actually, you know, what's what's weird is uh, I was uh, I went, went once went through. Um, which I think it was Neiman Marcus. I went through there once. Um, might have been. I, I can't remember if it was that place or if it was. No, it was Nordstrom's. Went through Nordstrom's and they had these shoes. They were over by the door. And <clears throat> so this shoe, like you pick up this shoe and you look at it and it, it looks like a, you know, it's a woman's shoe and, you know, and so you're like, okay, I guess it's nice. I mean, it's, there's nothing really spectacular about it. It doesn't look like anything, you know, marvelous. You look at the price. It's, it's $1,100 for this shoe. And it looks like a shoe that you'd get at Target. You know, it looks like, <clears throat> I mean, no offense to the fine folks at Nordstrom's. I'm sure you have fine shoes and I'm sure they don't ever wear out. And I, I bet, you know, you, you put them on and, and you immediately become super hot. But <laughs> I'm just saying that shoes that cost $1,100 that look like the same shoe I can get at Target for $40, it does cause, and I'm not a woman, I, I'm not, you know, I don't have the estrogen flowing through me, so I guess I, I don't have the ability necessarily to discern one shoe from another. Uh, so you'll Ooh, forgive you're me. You're not getting it, Mike. You'll forgive Ooh. me for having the Y chromosome, which I guess stands for why the F would I pay for that kind of a, a shoe? But... It just doesn't make any sense. So I guess the shoes like this, maybe you'd find them at Nordstrom's. Maybe. All right. Uh, did I read the specs on it? No. Uh, the specs, they include 464 quaint pair. Nice. I, I have no idea what that is. And round-shaped diamonds set in pure platinum. Wow. Thread topped off these strappy... Platinum thread top off these strappy silhouettes. Mm-hmm. Platinum thread. Mm. I, I could go for some platinum cake right now, Mike. Uh, me too. Plat Everything's got to be platinum. I don't know. What's, what's yeah. with the platinum? Yeah. All right. Uh, let's see. Is this, all right. No. Um, standing at number three, we have the Stuart Weitzman Ruby Slippers. Standing in at $1,600,000. Oh, boy. 
I, I could probably stop right here, and that'd be enough. <laughs> it's like the pop chart at this point. Yeah. It's like the pop chart. It's just torturing ourselves. Okay. Uh, the, let's see. Let's see. The specs include jeweler Oscar Hyman and brothers contributed to 642 round and oval rupees, totaling some 120 carats, set in pure woven platinum on the four and a half red satin silhouettes. Hmm. Wow. So very expensive. And um, <clears throat> once again, something that probably, I don't know, uh, you'd need to be, you need to have quite the sugar daddy to get you those. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, once again, uh, I must repeat from earlier, we have two standing in at number two, which is confusing. So, so you have yeah, a tie I'll for number two. Yeah, so what I'll do is I'll just read the specs for both of them, then reveal the price tag, you know. Leave a little bit of a cliffhanger right there. Okay. All right, so tied for number two, we have the Stuart Whiteman's Tanzanite Heels, and we also have the Stuart Whiteman Cinderella Slippers. Mm. Let's see, the Stuart Whiteman Tanzanite Heels. Let's see, Stuart Whiteman teamed up with jeweler Levon Levian to painstaking match and cut. 185 carats of museum-quality tanzanite and 28 carats of diamonds. Oh, my goodness. Let's see. The Cinderella slippers, uh, the four-and-a-half-inch silhouettal heels, are set with 495 carats of platinum-set quate diamonds. One shoe is set with a five-carat armetto diamond alone worth $1 million. Now... Uh, guess the price tag on this. Go ahead, guess. You know it's higher than one million six hundred thousand. Go for it. Two point two million. Close. Two million dollars. Wow. That's well, and boom goes the dynamite. Shoes. Yeah. Yeah. Boom goes the dynamite. Yeah. All right. And oh god, that is ugly. That is the friggin' ugliest shoe I've ever seen. Well, what the hell? I mean, all these shoes are ugly. That was the other thing. It was like the I found that at well, at, well, no, uh, no, at Nordstrom, like, the more the the more hideous that some of the shoes were, the more expensive, or the more plain. I mean, some of these look okay. I mean, one of them just looks like a pair of lead shoes, but some of these look okay. But these are these are like the ugliest ass shoes you'll ever see, man. I have no oh big old plat, platform shoes or some crap. Yeah, probably. All right, one thing uh, again with the Stuart Whitemans, Rita Hayworth heels. Let's see these. Uh, I'm just gonna read off the specs just to get it over with. Stuart Whiteman designed the satin open-toed silhouette around a pair of earrings owned by movie legend Rita Hayworth. There you go. Oh. Yeah, Rita Hayworth, Shawshank Redemption. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's see. The earrings are laden with rupees, sapphires, and diamonds. So there's an earring on the shoe. <laughs> <laughs> Give me a second. I have a headache, and I'm trying to laugh at the same time. It feels confusing. Okay, go ahead. Guess the price tag. Go for it. All right. <clears throat> so the others were two point to two million bucks so this has got to be obviously more so I'll say I'll, I'll go conservative and say two and a half mil three million dollars wow that's uh 
These are the uh, oh my god! These are like Boom. the ugliest ash. Out of here! <laughs> yeah, yes, it's it. Get off the phone, God! I, yeah, throw me a freaking bone uh, here, Scott. I mean, that's that's horrible. That is. Well, again, I'm sure, like I said, throw me a freaking bone here. One of those white trash that wins the lottery, like in Missouri. I'm, and then I'm gonna give my wife some damn three million dollars each. I'm like, yeah, baby, 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 Right. So. <laughs> Sorry, was that overkill? Might might have been. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> Hey, God damn it! I'm the co-host. I'll do whatever the hell I want. <laughs> that's I, that's that's fine. I mean, <laughs> no, no, it's good. Yeah, just just play random bumpers at this point to overshadow the fact that we just said three million dollar heels. There you go. A Rod oh, could afford. God. There you go. That's that's the only <laughs> that's the only guy that could afford those. A Rod, and he could. He could get him for his uh, for whatever his his he, he's working on like girlfriend at least number five hundred and wife who knows how many wives. I mean that's just insane. Hey, there you go. What is it? It's an A bomb from A Rod. All right. <laughs> I mean seriously, these are the ugliest. They they put the earring because it was owned by Rita Hayworth and they sewed around it basically and it's open toes. It's, ugh, it's so why would, if it's that valuable? Why would you ever wear it out someplace? Yeah, I mean, number one, you're I probably going to get killed for the shoe. Number two, what would happen if it rained or if you stepped in a puddle or something? Like, or, or, you wouldn't even want to scuff it. Yeah, I mean, it's like, oh my guess. yeah, it's like I said at the beginning, crack of stole my shoes. Yep. Crack a stole my Nikes, man. <laughs> <laughs> I can only imagine like a movie star going up to the Los Angeles police station. Hello, officer. Um, I was robbed today. They have somebody okay, else. They yeah, they have somebody else do it for them. My client yeah. was my my client was robbed today. Yeah, somebody raided. They're their probably shoe they're probably pretty used to that. Actually, they probably it probably doesn't even phase people in Hollywood. Oh yeah, so it was stolen. Ah, oh, three million dollars. Three million dollars shoes. Okay. It's, no, um. no, it's like my my client's shoe closet was raided, and um, the shoe the in total equaled ten million dollars. Yeah, the shoes actually added up uh, are more are worth more than Van Nuys, California. Um, yeah, <laughs> like they they stole some jewelry, but I mean the shoes those those are what valuable man. On an, on an up note though, some uh, some dude named Kenneth Williams is out there. He's a transgender prostitute wearing my three million dollar shoes, <laughs> <laughs> and he's with Alejandro Mang. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Alejandro, man, I got my prostitute. He's out there in the air, dude. Those are the night shoes my prostitute is wearing, man. I tell you yeah, right he, now. He, he didn't even pair with money. He just paid with his shoes. It's, uh, you are wearing the night shoes, man. I'm going to give them those shoes, man. So I can tell him so I can, we could have some crack together and get some smoke. Dang. It's a $5 worth of gas, is it? I'm going to sell those shoes for like $50, man. Sell them at Salvation Army, dude. Well. All right, so. Yeah, that's... <laughs>
Uh, oh my god. All right, it so seems to go back to the pop chart. It, it? it does. So, uh, so there you have it. That's your. That's that's the most expensive shoes. Three and a half million dollars for Rita Hayward's earrings three, sewn three in. Million. Three million dollars for a Rita Hayward shoe sewn, or Rita Hayward's earrings sewn into a shoe. Yeah. <laughs> that seems uh, that seems reasonable. These lists. It always just seems it's like when they they have sometimes uh, they'll sell people will sell um, ridiculous homes. You know, you hear about somebody buying a home someplace and it's you know twenty million dollars or fifteen million dollars. It's the same kind of reaction, really. It's it's just it all seems so unbelievable to any of us to even imagine being able to pay something like that. Why would you even ever? Who buys it? I mean, that's what I want to know. That's the list I want. Who actually bought those shoes? Who actually goes out there and, and not only sells them, but who goes out and buys those products? I want to know. Yeah, like, we, we should do that at, like, the end of the year, like, uh, have our special Friday Christmas show and be all like, we're counting down the top ten idiots of this year. Number ten. Kesha. Well, I mean, so, somebody, like yeah, somebody obviously is... is if somebody's selling it, there's probably a market for it. So somebody's got to be out there. Somebody must have gone. You only have to it. sell one, Mike. Well, yeah, it's the ten thousand dollar pencil theory. You only have to sell one, and then, and you're set. Once you do that, once you sell one of those, uh, once one of those guys sells that three million dollar shoe, that's it. Yeah, it's, a, it's like when I play this um, coffee game online. What I do is. I get all the customers to trust me, right? You know, I get them all like, oh, the coffee place is the greatest, right? I, I break even. Then what I do is, like, on the last five days, I'll charge $10 for the coffee and, like, not spend anything on it. And everybody will still buy it because they heard good things about me. Well, there you go. And I, and I end up getting, like, three times what I would if I actually, you know, compromised with the customers. You know what? You'd be a great executive at BP. <laughs> I hear they're looking for them right about now. <laughs> well, I did get a five out of eight on the economics test. Well, yeah, you did. You did very, very well with that. So I think, I think you would. Uh... Okay, here's our plan, right? Yeah, we're gonna get all our customers trust us. Just break even, okay? We're we're gonna lose millions of dollars. Then what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna charge fifty thousand dollars for one drum of oil. Yeah, and at least and and we know plenty of people are gonna buy it because they trust us. And then we're just going to retire. In other, gonna news, the company. in other news, gas went up to $21 a gallon today, uh, <laughs> rising from its from its weird, un, un, unreasonably low 42 cents a gallon to an incredible $20 a gallon today. After James Bowman took over the company. Yeah. Uh, I wonder if there's a connection. Probably That's, not. Uh, he had a public education. <laughs> well. And all the uh, and the entire Gulf of Mexico is dead. Let's not forget that. Uh, no, thanks to me, I saved it because you know I'm the man. Well, there you go. Somebody'd better. <laughs> certainly not going to be the president. And certainly not going to be BP. And it's certainly not going to be anyone in our government that we know of right now. Anyway, uh, yeah. I hope the Justice League is listening right about now. <laughs> Help I, me, Superman. I'm Superman, or or I, I Green Lantern. Help somebody. Me, Help me, Santa Christ. John Jones. Somebody had better get down there and fix the friggin' 
well, the the former uh, Deep Horizon welder. You better better get on that. Right at Santa Cruz. He'll fix anything. Mike at KMGX.com is the email address. It's Mike at KMGX.com. Also, that's our PayPal address. You want to contribute to the program? Certainly, we would appreciate it. You know, listen, this is three hours of work here that, that I've put in. $20 this, donation. If, you say, if you say, Mike, you haven't done enough shows this week, I'd say this show is three hours. How many more shows do you need? And they'll say, yeah. "Well, we want three-hour shows every day." Do you know yeah. that if you if you took if you took like Rush Limbaugh, or you took Glenn Beck's show, or you took any of these guys, you took any of these shows that are on? If they're a three-hour show, actually, it's more like it's about an hour. It's actually no, I, I shouldn't say that. It's um, a three-hour show on radio is close to actually being about nine. It's just over ninety minutes because of all the commercials. So, I just did what those guys do for one day in actual content. I just did like two days of their actual show. So I'm I'm pretty awesome. That's just you that's the bottom the line. Life. That's the bottom You're line to all this is I am awesome. All right, so yes, uh, AOL Instant Messenger, Michael Groff Show, the screen name. You can always message me, and you know if I send you a message on Facebook or on. Aim he doesn't bite. Email. You know, it's okay to respond. You can even send fan mail to me because I know how you all love Exactly. Me. All right, well, that's it. We're done. Uh, MichaelGroff.com for everything else. Thanks yeah. to James for joining me on uh, the program. I'm an unpaid intern. Help me. All right. We'll see you next time. Good night.